rather had too much moonshine. You know what, I mean? what are you getting? Well, I'm getting a bounce. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lightness within it as well. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, you well, know, honey, it's a yeah. very tricky color, and I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. Terry and I worship an unconventional deity, the power of another dimension. Now, you're not going to read about this dimension in a book or in a magazine or uh, in a newspaper uh, because it doesn't exist anywhere except in my own mind. You know, that ah. actually, that belief system uh, kind of sounds normal today. Well, it does. I mean, mm -hmm. with all the other yep. crap going on in our society. Yeah, uh, it's welcome. interesting. This is the David Allen Show. Oh, that's us. Uh, this episode 11, 12. April 28. 12. <laughs> I was trying to see if you're on, on you? the ball. No, you aren't. <laughs> episode 12, 12, April 28, 2016. Yep. We're a little early today. Uh, but it doesn't matter if you're listening on iTunes. Uh, we are right on time. Yeah, exactly. As we're always on time on iTunes. How's it going yeah. today? It is... Uh, uh, I don't know. I think if you were to say swimmingly, that would be accurate. I, uh, no. You've been outside lately? You, okay. Got it. Yep. There you go. Bingo. It's kind, kind of wet and rainy. It's, out it's there. been wet and wainy. Wet oh, and wainy? Uh huh. That's wet and wainy. Yep. <laughs> I thought after all the, all the uh, speech therapy, it went away, but it didn't. It came back. Uh, President Who? B B B Barack. Barack, Barack, in the words of uh, David Cameron, the prime, the prime minister of the UK, of, of Britain, Britain, calls him Barack, my friend Barack. Oh yes, really? Yes. How, oh, yeah. How kind of arrogant are you? Yeah, that is kind They're not of buds. No. Yeah, as Barack said, no, as the president, he's not calling you Dave, mm -hmm. right? Or Dave? Hey, David. Yeah. No. No, it's Barack. No, for some reason, I don't think he has a lot of black friends either, so I think that's kind of pretentious for him to do that. <laughs> okay. I mean, it seems, you know, back at the club, uh, you know, <laughs> where he goes and has a few drinks, I don't... But, uh, you know, I could be wrong. Anyways. Go you ahead. Mean, Keep going. You mean on the boat? Yeah. 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 Sorry. <laughs> Call back to Jimmy Savile. Yeah. Uh, Obama told the press during his tour of Germany Sunday, once the U.S. primary elections are out of the way, he expected Congress would pass the Trans-Pacific Partnership, or the TPP, trade deal with Pacific mm. nations by the end of the year. Mm. Jeff Sessions, a Republican from Alabama, uh, an opponent of the trade deal, said Americans should be concerned about what both Obama and members of Congress intend to do after the 2016 elections. Quote, We've already heard that there are plans by a number of forces and interest groups to try to slip this TPP through after the election in a lame duck congressional session. And a lame duck, uh, just for review, lame duck session means... Um, yeah, basically he's, um, he's not going to be judged by what... He's not going to get reelected, so it's towards the end of his term, and so he can't build any momentum for further um, agendas that There's he no, have. There are no uh, adverse consequences either. Uh, no. No. Okay. But there's no point... You, you don't have to... Um, you don't have to go out of your way to help him because he can't really benefit you in the future because he's out of... He, oh, no quid pro. The, yeah, no quid pro quo. Quid pro quo, pro, 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 pro. Thank you. <laughs> you <bet. laughs> That's easy for you to say. <laughs> the senator added, 
if it's such a good deal, why don't they bring it forward? Why don't we have a debate about it while the elections are on? Yeah, wasn't that the one that was um, buried in the bowels of the uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of the Capitol, and you couldn't go in with any recording equipment or or cameras? You couldn't take any copies of it out or anything. Wasn't that the TPP? Well, probably. I think that was. Huh. Anyways, uh, he said ramming the deal through when voters don't have a say is arrogant, like Obamacare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What the president is fundamentally saying and what these special interest groups are saying is, well, we know you in Congress are so smart and we know the president is smart and the people out there, they don't understand how smart we all are, Sessions said. But we understand you shouldn't do this while elections are going on because you might get your clock cleaned. They might vote you out of office. So we'll see if we can't work up some way to pass it in the future. I think he's got a great point. Well, that's what they always do, mm-hmm. though. I mean, it is. But for them to say it out loud, it's be- they're becoming so brazen in their arrogance. Maybe that's my problem. Now, he he's in opposition to it. So Correct, he, yes. So this yes. is what he's saying. Right, he's saying the president is basically saying, oh, don't do it yet because then you'll lose. Yeah. Wait till you win and then push it through. Yeah. Garbage. Well, well I, know, I know he also got caught on uh, microphone. Uh, microphone was on. When he didn't know it was on, and he was talking to Putin. Oh yeah, you wait till they get elected. Wait till yeah. the election. Then we'll, I'll have more flexibility yeah, then. We'll get some yeah. stuff done then. Mm-hmm. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, that's what I want our world leaders to do. Yeah, but I would contend that it's the same way with the GOP. Oh I, I no, mean, I don't doubt that at all. But yeah. I hate the process across the board. Yeah, that's my problem. Yeah. So what's the solution, Alan? Um, throw the bums out, get a different set of bums. Yeah, I don't know. Hold on. Kill them all. <laughs> no, that's wrong. <laughs> Sorry. Um, here, hold on. Let's try another one. Threw them out. <laughs> Threw? Come on, Rich. Get it together. Well, you know. Ray can have a better. Threw them out. Through, through, through. Ah. <laughs> You lame. Hold on. Throw them out. Throw them out. Ooh. Hey. (laughs) See, we are multi-gender here. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Talking out of both sides of their mouth right there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um, I was... uh, Did you see that... uh, Matt Lee was talking to uh talking about speaking out of both sides of the mouth. Um who? He was talking to the State Department spokesperson. Um is that uh Kirby? Admiral Rear Rear Admiral is he a rear admiral? Oh, was admirable. he a rear... Uh-huh. He's, he's, he's an admirable. Yeah. Not admirable, sorry. <clears throat> Here, I got it queued up a little bit early so we can we can listen to the whole... Oh, you, you have the whole four-minute clip? Yeah. Okay, go. Um, and there was never this, you know... There was never this no boots on the ground. I don't know where this keeps <sighs> coming from. Well, yes, yes. There was no, there, there was. no, there wasn't. There was... Where, what? 
We're not going to be involved in a large-scale combat mission on the ground. That is what the president has long said. We have three wait, – wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. We have 3,000-some-odd troops in Iraq already in an advise and assist capacity at bare advise and assist. the country. Don't tell me and don't tell them or their families that they're not on the ground. They are very much on the ground. But they are involved in large-scale conventional ground combat. For months and months and months, the, the uh, mantra from the president and the, everyone else in the administration has been no boots on the ground. And no, now that is not true. What? It's just not true, Matt. It is. It's just not true. It's true. No, it's not. Well, I just flatly, absolutely disagree with you, but I've been speaking to this. Um, he just said no, not not happening, right? Right. Um, let's go back here. This from November 14, I think. Um, let's see if we can get this. It wants American boots on the ground. It wants to fight us. My answer is simple. I will not put American boots on the ground in Syria. What? Um, I, I, hold on. I think that, that was one clip. I think he just said no, right? Yeah. Okay. Be no American boots on the ground. Uh, in no event are we considering uh, any kind of military action that would involve boots on the ground. The notion that the United States Meet the press. should be putting boots on the ground, I think, uh, would be a profound mistake. We have a very specific objective, one that uh, will not lead into boots in the ground, nothing like that. This isn't like Iraq, it's not like Afghanistan, it's not even like Libya. Uh, then hopefully people will recognize why I think this is so important. President Obama is putting U.S. forces on the ground in Syria, something... Okay, keep going with old, old Kirby, Ly Lion Kirby. For, for over two years uh, okay, your, your predecessor up here, but, you know... Well, hold on, not just the predecessor, the, the, the president that said it. I never... Yes, he did. And not just once. And well, that was the whole line from the president on down. Anyway, anyway, are you saying that this is not the same thing as saying one thing and then doing the other completely? I, I'm absolutely rejecting that thesis. Right. Yes. You are a filthy liar. Well, it doesn't look like I have a choice. You're going to talk no matter what. Sir, sir, you are yes. a filthy liar. That question. Uh, within 24 hours, we have seen two headlines. One of them being President Obama rules out ground troops uh, to Syria. And there was a, he told the BBC, I can give you an exact quote. And then shortly after, President Obama to deploy 250 more special forces troops to Syria. Uh, my question is, what is the difference between the troops that the president ruled out and the troops that he's going to send to, to Syria? You know, that's actually an intelligent question. What? How arrogant. Question. And I appreciate that. That question is intelligent. But that the other one who was calling me out is not intelligent. Well, he, he was trying to hush her the whole time while uh, Matt Lee was talking. Yeah, while yeah. Matt Lee was talking. <laughs> and oh. she made a very good point. This is the spokesperson for the State Department. For the State Department. Man. Yeah. Bald face lie. Bald? Bald face? Bald. Does that, does that mean no beard? That lie didn't have a beard? Is that what that means? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yes. That's exactly what it means. Excellent. Uh, what's his name again? John uh, Kirby? Kirby. Yeah. Rear, I've heard Rear Admiral Kirby, but I don't know if it's if he's the Rear Admiral. See, I'm I'm going to check on that. Are you? Um, yeah. Let's see. What did he do? Glad you brought your Commodore. <laughs> He was a surface warfare officer. Officer? Uh, yeah. What is surface warfare? Um, ships. Oh, water. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah the Navy. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, okay, yep, that's he was a public affairs officer. That's what he did. He just spent his whole time spinning as he's public information officer. That's oh. all he did. That's all he did. So he's a liar. I'm, yeah. Um. He's he's the PR guy. He's a PR guy. That is his entire job. He served as the U.S. Navy's chief of information, serving as a principal spokesman for the Department of Navy. That is all he did. That is it. He is a liar. <laughs> it what? seems like. What? Huh? He is a liar. Yeah. Maybe. You are a filthy liar. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. Um. I, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Microsoft can't be wrong. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, th- that's all he did. That is all he did. He um, he didn't... Uh, okay, he served in the military, but he spent the vast majority of his um, time telling people what, what the, the Navy wanted, wanted them, to, them hear. to hear. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Spinster, yeah. perhaps, is what they call that. Yep. And he made it up to uh, a rear admiral, which is... Yeah, what is the rear? Um, he, it he is, watches the back of the boat? <laughs> it is, uh, let's see, um, I think a rear admiral would probably... A captain is the equivalent of a colonel, and a, oh, and then, and and a rear admiral is equivalent to a brigadier general. So after colonel you, is brigadier general. <clears throat> And so when you, uh, Colin Powell, he was a four-star general. This guy was a one-star general. So, But all he did was uh, spin things, like you said. That's interesting. Huh. Um, I, I don't think that he will get censored at all. By the Who? administration, Kirby? yeah, John Kirby. No, he's lying for him. <clears throat> yeah, of course job. he's lying. But you know, the average person would go, "Well, it's obvious. It's obvious he's lying." If you did that in some other job, you get in trouble. If you were a candidate for president and you did that, you wouldn't get. Come on, you it, wouldn't get in trouble. Oh well, you've, you've if heard you of were Donald Trump, you've heard of Hillary Clinton, right? Well, nah, they would. They would still. They would still. Who? Who? Who would? Go after them? Yeah, who? Uh, CNN. <laughs> um, even Fox would. I, I would don't go think after so. Trump. Oh, absolutely. I don't know, because CNN now, uh, one of their, um, uh, an executive admits, uh, quote, we are no longer a TV news network. This is CNN. CNN senior social media director, so there you go, Samantha Barry, made an unsurprising <laughs> admission about her network on Tuesday. She said, quote, we're no longer a TV news network. Instead, she touted CNN as a, here it is, wait for it, quote, 24-hour global multi-platform network during a presentation at the annual collision conference in New Orleans. A platform of what? (laughs) Multi-platform of network. Yeah. A platform, I mean a platform. 24-hour global multi-platform network. Huh. Of what? Opinion, probably. That's like um, uh, prop- propaganda. Wow. So she just talked it, but didn't really say anything. Uh, yeah. For each new platform on which CNN expands, Barry says the end game isn't the number of followers that it accrues, but how successfully it insinuates itself 
insinuate itself in into users' habits across age groups and demographics. Quote, habit is a metric of success we're going after all of the, on all of these platforms. Habit. Is that what that person said? Mm-hmm. What was her name? Uh, her name is Samantha Barry. Huh. Barry's blunt disclosure is just the latest development in CNN's shift away from news. Back in November 2013, Time Warner CEO Jeff Bukes revealed during a conference call that his corporation was, quote, investing at CNN, part of a strategic decision to broaden it beyond politics and breaking news. Almost a month later, CNN president Jeff Zucker asserted that the liberal news channel, quote, needs more shows and less newscasts. So that's basically uh, like a pharmaceutical company saying, um, we don't want you to uh, buy our uh, our medication to make you healthier. We just want you to buy our medication. We just want sure. you to yeah. buy our you medication. You just buy the, yeah, absolutely. Just eat, eat it. Just Here, take, take it. the product. We want you to be Shut addicted to whatever we give you, yeah. and it's not going to make you any healthier. Mm-hmm. This is not going to inform you more. It's just going to uh, insinuate it into your life so that uh, you can't live without it, whatever whatever garbage we uh, we give you. Wow. That is very... And for Jeff Zucker to say <clears throat> that they need more shows and less newscasts, what in the world? And that, That's a ratings game. That's just to try to bump up the advertising dollars. Yeah. Because mm. if you're a newscast, unless you have breaking news that's mind-blowing, you're not going to get the advertisers 24-7. Now, if you have a 6 p.m. news slot only, you're going to get buyers because people will tune in. But if you're 24-7 of newscast, you get boring real quick. That's Isn't that interesting? Because at one, at one point, if you were a journalist, it was to try to tell people the truth. <laughs> right. And that was... That was good enough. You wanted to you wanted to tell people what was going on out there. Now they've completely abandoned that. Yeah. Well, it's all about money. All of it. Well, at least there's nothing else. They're quasi beaten. Did she get fired shortly after? <laughs> well, but see, the thing is, the average person. I mean, the attention span of a what of a goldfish. You know what I mean? <laughs> Squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, <clears throat> of a yellow lab. Uh, so it, thank you. So I'm basically, you can say whatever you want. You can talk the truth all you want. Mm-hmm. People are going to, uh, that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Isn't it amazing how things have changed? You know, I, I don't know. I, <clears throat> the earliest real recollection of, you know, newscasting that I really paid attention to was during um, the Gulf War, mm. the first one mm-hmm. in the 90s, early 90s, right? Mm-hmm. 90, what, 90, 91? 91. Uh, yeah. You were in the Armed Service Forces after that, is that correct? Before that. Oh, before, okay. I got, oh, out, so you got out before. I got out in March. Before HW went in? Um, yeah, I got out in March and Saddam invaded Kuwait, I think, in August. Oh, how advantageous of you. Yes. <laughs> you lucked out. Yes. Um, but that, that's the last thing that I really remember really paying attention. I mean, it, mm-hmm. and at that point it was, we didn't have uh, over the air TV in our house, but we got it recorded mm-hmm. on VHS tape. And so we actually watched it after the fact. 
And I remember being just fascinated. Uh-huh. You know, they had the, the Scud missiles coming in, and you get yeah. this nighttime video stuff. Who was the... Um, Dan Rather, I think. Yeah. Um, Brokaw. Tom Brokaw, big mm-hmm. time. And that's the guy that I remember hearing and watching the most was Brokaw. Yeah. It was weird because my unit went there, uh, infantry battalion, and um, I know our executive officer got killed over there during uh, training. And they basically used the Marine Corps as a feint. So they did a amphibious landing um, into Kuwait to try to draw Iraqi troops away mm-hmm. from where the actual troops were going. Um, so they they were there and whatnot, but they didn't really get into any... My unit didn't really get into any uh, fights or anything. But it was interesting. Um, like, I remember on... Uh, you know, I would get the newspaper every day, and I saw on the front page um, one of my friends who was a corporal uh, in the Marine Corps. He was he was right on the front page. It was interesting. Hmm. So I could have, should have been there. But. And then when, after 9-11 happened, uh, I watched, you know, pretty intensely and, and listened to, because I was actually an intern at a church for a while, during that, uh, and I remember I was doing some project, and I had I brought in a radio so I could listen to the invasion of Iraq after that. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, just it was fascinating, and you know so that. But you just assumed at that point, maybe I was just young and naive, but you just assumed that the stuff they're telling you is right. Yes, and it's yes. not it's not utter bullcrap. But yes. nowadays, I don't assume any of it's true. Oh, I know. Because it, they have an obvious agenda. Yeah, and when at all times, right? When they know. can't say something because the sponsor might not like it, that's a problem. And it's um, it's difficult because you know all of the politicians now mm-hmm. have an agenda. Mm-hmm. Well, they have to stay elected. Yeah. In order to get elected, they need money. In order to get money, you have to give people the things they want, and it, so then you get these donors. Yeah. That oh, we're just donating. Political donor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are you getting out of it? Yeah. You know what it's kind of like? It seems to me it's kind of like uh, back in the 60s and 70s, people kind of, there there were a lot of people who believed that professional wrestling was real. Mm-hmm. And what? Was, <laughs> it's not? <laughs> and and when, it, when you come to that realization that it's just a show, that it's prearranged, I mean, the bumps are real, but it's prearranged. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it kind of changes how you watch it um because before there was this uh there was a it was like an opera or a soap opera it was a fight a good against evil and, right um but then at a certain point you realize you know what this is uh this is just put on to elicit different emotional responses from me what the rock is cooking. yeah he really wasn't going to kill you no no he wasn't and death rose, sucker. Can let me tell you something. It wasn't real, babies. <clears throat> so it's hard now. Let me tell you something. It's hard now. Let me tell you something, sucker. It is hard to listen to these people and believe anything they say. It. I I've decided that it's way more fun. Yeah, to to watch the news, read the news, see what's going on, 
with that understanding that there's a really good chance they got given all of this information. Oh, yeah. Well, of course. And, yeah. And, and yeah. they're just reading it and they're being told things in their ear that they need to do. Uh, they have an agenda that they aren't supposed to talk about, but they do. They slip it in. It's just way more fun. And and it's way more fun to think that there is a uh, an agenda going on mm-hmm. that is counter to what's being told. Yeah. Well, I mean, plus uh, it make, otherwise, it's it makes boring. more sense. Too, it sure on, does make more sense, right? Too. <laughs> it does. <laughs> I mean, if you look at um, if you look at Kennedy's assassination, and then Oswald mm-hmm. gets killed by Jack Ruby, just some guy. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it makes a whole lot more sense if there's some crazy conspiracy going on than just some owner of a strip club decides to go down and kill the guy who killed the president. Well, and then for George H.W. Bush, who at the time, I believe, uh, did he run? Was he in the CIA? Yeah. Did he run it at the time? No, he ran it in the mid-70s. Okay, but he was still part. He doesn't know why he was in Dallas. Yeah. He can't remember why he was there. Are you kidding? Yeah. Yeah, there's so many There's so many questions that, yeah. that were never answered to people's satisfaction. Yeah. <laughs> And then you find, and then you find out that the uh, United States government in the fifties and sixties, and early seventies were doing mind control experiments. Yeah, experiments, experience too. <laughs> Someone was experiencing it. <laughs> mind control experiments on people, and um, and you realize there really isn't any um, uh, any uh, line that they're not willing to cross. Well, and uh, what started the Vietnam War? Was that not the Gulf of Tonkin? Yeah, the Gulf of Tonkin. Well, supposedly, I guess that you know, was that, a pretext. That, right, that kind yeah. of started the ball rolling. Well, just a few years ago, some stuff became unclassified that disproved that entire yeah. event. Yeah, which I don't want to talk about that. It came up for a second, but then we pushed that off because, shh, yeah. we don't want to talk that we killed a lot of people. We got a lot of our people killed, and we absolutely demonized an entire segment of our population that were soldiers when they came back. Be, they were war criminals, and so we hated them. They weren't heroes like they are today when they come home. No, they, well, they the, was the opposite. The reason why they're heroes now is marketing, is marketing. <laughs> and I can't say that well, out loud, but it, I mean it's a re, but it is a reaction for a lot of people to how they were treated back in the sixties sure, and seventies. Absolutely, but I mean it's absolutely true. At this point, the military can do no wrong, right. you know, mm-hmm. and um. I think that there's something wrong where you just support the military regardless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or that you support anything that your your government tells you regardless. I think there needs to be a, a healthy suspicion. And there should be questions. Why do we have hundreds of thousands of troops all over the world? Um, all the time. At, at all time. Why mm-hmm. are we spending $600 billion a year? Yeah. Um. You know why? When uh, we we spend more than all the other uh, countries combined, mm-hmm. and what do we get from you know other th- other than um, people dying or yeah. and <clears throat> you know and I guess whether you like the idea that we send troops over there to for war or not, um, to me that is you know an issue with the people in charge. My my thought is if anybody that's a U.S. citizen, volunteers to go over there and get shot at, 
Now, whether the orders are right or not, that's a different ballgame. But if they volunteer to go get shot at, I don't think they should have to pay for anything ever again. Oh. Once they get back. You mean in terms of... They uh, should not owe taxes. Now, state stuff, you know, buying things, but they should not owe any federal tax. They should get stuff. If they're willing to go out there and get shot at for an order that is given by someone... Yeah, I mean, I I understand where you're coming from, but as somebody who um uh who enlisted that at least for me that was never part of the conversation that was never part of the reason why I did it um I, I mean I would agree that that the country owes us something in in a sense um but um, but don't you though? I mean, if you go over there and get shot, get wounded, shouldn't you um, not have to worry about stuff when you get home? Well, let me tell you, if I was drafted and I got shot, then I might agree with oh, it. Oh, well, okay, that's a really good point. But okay, it, I oh, mean, well, it's okay to volunteer. Okay, no, I, look, I, I think you, I, I think I'm with you there. I mean, because you look at a police officer, mm-hmm. um, you look at a firefighter, you look as a, at an EMT. The stuff that they have to go through potentially mm-hmm. at times is horrific, right? But they choose to do it because that's part of their psyche and the things that they want to do. They want to protect and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it's not, um, it's not a, it's a choice. I mean, it's okay. It's a choice. No, and I, I, I think I, I think I'm with you there. Yeah, if you don't have a choice to go, then yeah. you're right. You should. But if you deliberately choose, yeah, okay. You you understand the risk yeah. on your own. Okay, yeah. never mind. I retract what I just said. <laughs> you have convinced me. Thank you. hi This is The David Allen Show. This is April 28, 
Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Soon. Tw- yeah. Uh, j- j- June? July? July. J- July. 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 What? what, De- definitely, what definitely. You, you July. folks at home? Uh, David is going to be full time. <laughs> full time De- in July. De- definitely full time. Full time in July. Of course, I'm excellent driver. <laughs> excellent. Yeah, it's um, you know, we're talking about this. I noticed uh, when you think about it. Uh, in physics, there's this law of entropy that everything goes from order to disorder. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> you see that in so many different ways. Um, and uh, even in countries, it goes from potentially, if there is a, a time of a lot of freedom, it, it typically moves to a time of more <laughs> or less and less freedom, which ultimately ends in tyranny or some kind of... Uh, at least uh, more and more control over people. And I saw this article. It's, uh, it was 10 things you could do in 1975 that you can't do now. Ooh. You mean because our society doesn't allow it or it's illegal? What, what's the criteria um, there? It, uh, it's because um, uh, our government requires, uh, we have, we're less free to do it. Some of it is uh, potentially um, illegal. If you were to do it now, huh? Um, and and some of it is just uh, the government trying to get more and more control over people. Again, using these these different um, incidents as a pretext on why uh, we so shouldn't fear. be allowed to do things. So yeah. fear, basically, I mean, take fear. your shoes off to go in an airplane, kind of fear. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like the first one. I'm glad you mentioned that. You could buy an airline ticket and fly without ever showing an ID. Oh, that would be so cool. 1975. And that well, was... Well, okay, who could afford to fly back then? Well, there was a lot of people that could fly. I mean, a lot of business people and whatnot. I know my um, my parents, they would go down to Mexico like once a year. Um, and they would fly. But, um, yeah, to you buy... You said 1975? 1975. Here's one. You could buy cough syrup without showing an ID. Certain types of cough syrup. <laughs> you could do that like five years ago. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. Um, you could buy and sell gold coins without showing an ID. Wait a second. You have to show an ID if you go right into now? like a uh, uh, coin store or whatever. Now, between you and me, if if I sold it to you or you sold it to me, mm-hmm. or if we did it on eBay, you wouldn't have to necessarily do it. But you would have to do it in other places, and it's it's about taxing. It's about taxes. Um, there was a significant increase in the value of gold. So if you if you bought gold in I believe two thousand three, it's three or four hundred dollars an ounce. Mm-hmm. And in two thousand was it twelve hundred bucks something like that? Oh, it was more than that. It was. Uh, nineteen hundred dollars, something like that. That much? Yeah, it was that much. <clears throat> so, at one time, the government was not as con- concerned of tracking everything, um, because um, government wasn't as big then as it is now, so it didn't require as so much money. The other thing is, it doesn't matter now; they just make more. Yeah. Well, like Social Security back then, there were fewer. 
older people. Mm-hmm. So you had more people that were paying into Social Security than people would take out. Mm-hmm. So Social Security always had a surplus. Right. And they would always just take it and use it and put in an IOU. Now it's getting to the point where... Um, it's not enough to take? Yeah. Uh, it's going to be basically uh, <clears throat> more money will be going out than will be coming in. Um, number four, you could buy a gun without showing an ID. In 75? In 1975. <laughs> really? Yeah. Can you imagine? Now, I remember... Um, that is the, that's what we call a loophole? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. It was a huge one. Right. It was every gun, <laughs> and not just at a gun show. Not just at a gun show. So when did that uh, background check or the the that start? Having I, to show ID to I buy a gun. I would imagine the last fifteen I'll years. I'll look it up. I know. No, twenty over twenty. Uh, I bought my. Uh, I bought. Oh, in the mid nineties, I, I I bought some weapons, and I needed to. Uh, do the whole nine yards. Now, there, I'm sure there were certain places like New York City and whatnot that this wouldn't apply, but there were places in America where this would apply that you didn't need to do it. Hmm. Probably California, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay, next. You could pull as much cash out of your bank account without the bank filing a report oh. with the government. Is it 10 grand now or five? Uh, 10. 10. Yeah. So you can nine 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 nine. You're fine. Yeah. But if you do it too much, mm-hmm. they will file a report. You mean too often? Or, yeah. Or if it looks suspicious to the bank teller, they can file. Um, but a report. they they're required to if it's ten thousand or more. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Like they don't have a choice. And Is the, that just with the if they're FDIC insured? Um. Well, it would be the it would be the same. Um. For. Credit unions, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, aren't they also FDIC insured? Well, it's a different kind of insurance than FDIC. Oh. Um, the other thing is, now, if I was driving down, it's not everywhere, but in a lot of states, if you're, if say you went, um, say you're going to buy a car for $10,000 or $12,000, and you didn't trust, you didn't want to... Uh, you want to pay cash for it. You want to pay cash for it. Mm-hmm. And you drew out $12,000. Well, they would report that. And as you were driving away, if you got pulled over and the cop found it, he would confiscate the money. And you would, it's years to get it back, right? Years to get it back. <clears throat> that wasn't the way it used to be. It was this, this quote unquote war on drugs that started mm. with Reagan. Right, right. Which is a war on personal property. Um, Did you hear, speaking of that confiscation of money, mm-hmm. there was a band touring, an Indian band, I believe, touring America, raising money for a school orphanage, I think. And uh, they had raised like $53,000. I saw something and the cops took it? The They stopped them for something, found the money. And like threw the guy on the ground, arrested him, freaked out. Drugs, you know, you're you're selling drugs. Why else would you have this money? Mm-hmm. They took it. Well, it went viral, as they say. Um, and the fact that this was a uh, a 
Christian charitable organization. Uh-huh. Uh, the media took it on and it went out there. And then the sheriff's office realized, oh, whoops, really bad PR. So they actually they dropped all charges because they realized they didn't have a case. And then they couldn't. There was no. Um, what's the deal when you have to have burden of proof? Probable yeah, cause. Probable cause. They, they couldn't prove. There was no actual probable cause that they could prove. And they had taken its money. But because of the media storm, uh-huh. they just decided to give it back. <laughs> Whoops. Because I, I guarantee you uh, the sheriff and other people were already salivating and thinking oh, about all the things that they could buy with that money. Yeah. Yeah. But but that is a, a fundamental problem with our system. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Is if they can take money and you don't get it. Yeah. And, I mean, there's a chance you'll never get it, right? Even it, if you're proven innocent. Or what they'll do is... They they might say okay say it is fifty thousand they say well how about we do this how about wait a second we'll they're gonna steal back. it and then do a deal so yeah. you don't get it all back we'll give you you can have thirty thousand dollars back and we'll keep the twenty so we don't have to go through the court and everything else <clears throat> that's not good and it's interesting back in the twenties and thirties prohibition worked so well <laughs> that's one way to say it yeah so uh, maybe they should. Uh, uh, that's the libertarian in me coming out. <laughs> Anyways, um, number six, you could get a job without having to prove you were an American back Ooh. in 75. All right. Number seven, you could buy cigarettes without showing an ID. That's another crazy one. You have to look older than 40 some places. Really, mm-hmm. I have to look older than 40. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's. That's insulting. Yeah. Isn't that ageist? It should be. <laughs> it should be. Thank you. Right. <gasps> oh, I'm going to. St- okay. Know, that's right. See, there's a platform. There is a platform. Mm-hmm. There's got to be some slimy. You I mean, ageist. Uh, wonderful lawyer out there who would be willing to <laughs> take that one up. Um, <laughs> num- you betcha. Number eight, you could have a phone conversation without the government knowing who you called and who called you. But yeah, they, the government wouldn't know, but your fellow oh, your party liner would. would. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we used to have a party line. Yeah, yeah me too. Uh, number nine, you could open a stock brokerage account without having to explain where the money came from. We ref, uh, uh, if if you let's see, how does that work? If you apply for a loan. Oh, how how does that work? Somebody was asking me about that or told me about it. They applied for a loan. And part of the loan was you had to have a certain amount down payment. And when you sh- when you gave them the down payment amount, you had to verify where the money came from, even though they were loan- loaning it to you. Why? What, 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 what? Why? You mean they gave you the money for the down payment? No, no, they didn't. They needed they wanted a down payment. Oh, yeah. But this company required the person to show where the money came from because I think they they uh they took some cash and deposited it. And it was Are wasn't they afraid off- it's laundered? Yeah, something. Huh. Or drug money. <clears throat> Number 10, you could open up a Swiss bank account with ease. All Swiss Ooh. banks were willing and happy to open accounts for Americans <laughs> back for, in the for, day. For no small fee. <laughs> but well, no more. Yeah. This is the David Allen Show. 
April 28, 2016. This is the David Allen Show. DavidAllenShow.com. Houston, Texas. The Texas Department of State Health Services has issued an order to Joel Osteen, best-selling author and pastor of Lakewood Church, to acquire a butcher's license in order to continue handling scripture. The department's Meat Safety Assurance Unit was tipped off to a potential violation of the state's health code, which prohibits individuals from butchering and managing poultry, meats, and biblical passages for the public's consumption without proper training and licensing. When a health inspector then performed a surprise undercover visit to Lakewood Church, sure enough, Osteen was in fact seen brutally slaughtering several passages, including Isaiah 53, 5. Jeremiah 1.5 and Psalm 46.10a without the proper licensing. Quote, really, we're just crossing our T's and dotting our I's here, Judd Grant, spokesperson for the inspection unit, told the Houston Chronicle. It was, a clear, it was clear from our observation of Mr. Osteen that he is in fact a skilled and experienced butcher of texts of all kinds, but rules are rules. Osteen is expected to comply with the request and has already spoken victory over the licensing process according to the church's director of positive thinking. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is your news here on the David Allen Show. Straight truth right here. Believe everything you hear. Oh, fantastic. This from the Babylon Bee, everybody. BabylonBee.com. Truth in media. Hey, I got one. 
Yes, do tell. <laughs> Let's see if I can find it. <clears throat> yeah, um, this isn't the Babylon Bee or this, this isn't the Onion either. This is true. This is true. Uh, <clears throat> Toronto, Canada, their West Hill United Church. If you go to one of their uh, 70 minute services, there's not one mention of God and Bibles are nowhere to be seen. 70 minutes? 70 like on minutes. The money. Yep. Okay. The What's large, the name of this church? Uh, Toronto's West Hill United Church. It's part of the United Church of Canada. And uh, the large steel cross is hidden behind a cascade of rainbow streamers. And the Ooh. reason why um, is because the church is led by an avowed atheist. I do not believe in a theistic supernatural being called God, says... Greta Vosper, the United Church of Canada minister who has led West Hill since 1997. I don't believe in what I think 90, 99.99% of the world thinks you mean when you, say, when you use that word. For her, God is instead a metaphor for goodness and a life lived with compassion and justice. <clears throat> Vosper's outspoken commitment to a seemingly clashing set of beliefs has prompted turmoil in the open-minded United Church of Canada. A progressive... <laughs> open-minded. <laughs> if it's too open-minded, your brain falls out. A progressive Christian denomination that began ordaining women in Canada 80 years ago and for decades has allowed openly gay men and women to lead ministries, the church has been left questioning its boundaries. In the coming weeks, and weeks, an unprecedented review will be carried out to determine whether Vosper can stay on as a minister. Why even bother then? I mean, I'm confused why she would even want the job. Well, it's better than working, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's that. She is a best-selling author. Is she really? Mm -hmm. Of her book, With or Without God. <laughs> there are two subtitles. Uh, why... Why the way we live is more important than what we believe and... Oh, no, sorry. <clears throat> That's one book. Two two books she's got. Ooh. With or without God, why the, why the way we live is more important than what we believe and... Amen. What prayer can mean in a world beyond belief. <laughs> wow. That's, it, it, this is her bio. Funny. It says, these books are informed and inspired by her pastoral ministry at West Hill United Church and reflect her conviction that it isn't good enough to talk about an abstract belief that has no consequences for living well in community. This is what her work at West Hill is about, promoting an environment where people, often of widely differing opinions and backgrounds, can come together and work at living well within themselves, oh, I feel good, uh, with one another and in right relationship with the whole world. That means that church at West Hill looks very different. Much of what is said is done in a traditional church environment is designed, much of what is said in, and done, sorry, they have missed a word, and done in a traditional church environment is designed to set boundaries between those on the inside and those on the outside. Greta is committed to ensuring that the language within a church community is non-exclusive and that people, all people, have a place to ask tough questions and give free rein to their spiritual yearnings. No, you said something about uh, uh, having a close relationship with the entire world or something, or uh, uh, it was a little bit earlier. 
in uh, a right relationship right with the whole real, world. Okay. Now, first of all, that's impossible because <laughs> with the whole world. <laughs> yes, because to a Muslim, she's an inter, uh, infidel. Oh, you bet. There's no possible way that she could be in a right relationship with him. There's no way she could be a, in a right relationship with a whole host of people, with a serial murderer, <laughs> um, with a despot ahead uh, of a. <laughs> Seek truth, live fully, care deeply, and make a difference. Seek truth? Well, that's really? their tagline. Seek, Seek truth. Interesting. What, what, what truth are we seeking? That's a good question. <clears throat> that's um, that's completely... break into what we believe. That's completely absurd. That is, um, uh, that is a, a hard one to even address. Uh, uh, <laughs> While gathering together to begin the process of writing our own statement of faith, this is the What We Believe on their website, we realized that putting our beliefs down in writing was like drawing a line in the sand. Some members of the community would find themselves able to say, quote, Yes, I believe that, while others would not. Faith statements have done that since the beginning of time, dividing communities with stark clarity into those who belonged and those who did not. That wasn't what we wanted. Wow, that's absurd. <laughs> In the early days following the death of Jesus, well, they acknowledged Jesus, huh? Communities were formed that were choosing to live differently from the societies around them. They shared what they had. Oh, socialism, uh, kinda. They went into areas of, they went into areas of disease at great risk and worked with the dying. They went against family wishes in order to live up to the ideas of love that they knew. They became known as Christians for how they lived. That's how we want to be known as Christians. Not for what we believe, but for how we live. So we created a document we call Vision Works to help us focus on the question, quote, how do we want to live? It is a statement of our values and a challenge to us each and every day. After all, being Christian shouldn't stop at what you believe. <laughs> are you kidding? Being a Christian is a belief system. It's a... There, there are consequences to what you believe. That's That's funny. That's funny. Um, so you were saying about this lady, <laughs> what was your original story? Sorry, before we got off. Wow. That's absurd. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, thank you. <laughs> it, uh, you know, this was not Babylon B or the onion. This, this is an actual thing. And, uh, um, yeah, I'm reading from their website unless their website is a joke. Well, uh, their website is copyright 2011. Um, I don't I don't know what I don't know what to say. Um because if there is no God, what difference Right, why bother going to this doing why, this? Why yeah. go just go start a community this. club. Yeah. I could I could make just about everybody feel better about themselves in two minutes. Two. Yep. Ooh. Maybe five at the max, but probably more more like two minutes. <clears throat> Should we try? Well, I, I'm not going to. Oh, you're not going to? No. Oh, okay. I'm saying I could. If I inject them with some really pure heroin, <laughs> I, they would feel wonderful about themselves. It would take two minutes to do that? Uh, I, I, You know, maybe somebody has a constitution of a horse or something. Hmm. Um, <laughs> but you can Or make, as we learned a couple shows ago, a redhead. A redhead. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, you can make... You can... It doesn't take much to make people feel wonderful. Um, for a minute, though. Well, for a little while, maybe and, an hour or two. And so are are you trying to get to the point that it's not about how you feel? 
Yeah, is that what you're trying of. to say? Kind of. Huh. Yeah, sure. I think that would be a a, a good uh, uh, extrapolation of what I was trying to say. Excellent. <laughs> um, and and the other thing is, um, when you're talking about truth, if there is no God then there are no consequences. There are no consequences if there is no God. There can't, right. So, so you can do, you can whatever, do whatever, you whatever you want, and when life gets hard, you just end it. Or life isn't fun anymore, mm-hmm. then you just end it if there is no God. That is logical. Mm-hmm. Now, if she's talking about truth... If somebody's having a hard life and it takes a tremendous amount of effort and intestinal fortitude for somebody to to draw themselves out of the gutter and become quote-unquote successful, and if you don't have that that drive or that ability, you probably should kill yourself. If if that's if if you don't believe that there's a God, because you know why wallow? What's the point of going on? Exactly, right? exactly. And it's just like going to sleep. You know, you go to sleep that's every true. day. Yeah, if you just you just don't wake up. Yeah, exactly. Um. So what's what's the point if if that's true? Now, um, if that's not true, and there actually is a God. And there's actually a tremendous amount of evidence that you can take that points to the the possible truth that there is a God. Then that changes things. <laughs> drastically. Then it changes things dr- drastically. <laughs> and she talked about how the early Christians acted a certain way and everybody knew them that, uh, because of the way they acted. But they acted that way because they just saw this man who was the best man they ever knew in their entire lives, who they firmly believed was Messiah, was horribly killed and then resurrected, came back (laughs) from the death, and uh, they saw him ascend into heaven. And um, the truth is, all of them believe that. And thus lived accordingly. And so they lived accordingly. They didn't live that way so that they could have a wonderful life because they didn't have a wonderful no. life. They were persecuted. John greatly. was boiled in oil. Oh. Peter was crucified. Um, upside down. Upside down. Paul was uh, beaten, shipwrecked. Um, uh, he was uh, beheaded. Uh, they didn't have their best life now. <laughs> and they didn't live based upon... What this woman thinks is a wonderful life. So I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say uh, to Greta. Other than, I don't know. I don't know what to say to Greta. Yeah, I just don't know the point of even having this body of people. Uh, call, calling it a church. Just call yourself a group, a club. Well, there's Unitarian uh, Universal Church, Universalist Church, the Unitarian Church. They believe in nothing. <laughs> no, I mean, they, they too believe so, okay, in nothing. Okay, so then are they doing this for the nonprofit status? <laughs> I, You know, I don't know. Uh, do, do you remember the People's Temple um, Massacre in 79? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the year I was born. No, oh, okay. I don't remember that. <laughs> 
Well, um, there was, I was this, little. there was this minister named Jim Jones. You've heard when people oh, say, yeah. mm-hmm. don't I've drink heard. the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Right. Came oh, from yes, that. yes, yes. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he took all these people down to, uh, um, I can't remember, uh, one of the countries in South, Northern South, uh, America. Um, Ooh, yeah. It's leaving my head. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, <clears throat> The entire time, he had a large following of people, and he would continually preach like an evangelist, but he did not believe in God. And he told them that he did not believe in God and that they shouldn't believe in this imaginary God in heaven. He was a socialist, and he was trying to create a utopian uh, society, I guess you could say. And they believed him and killed themselves. Well... Again, you have people that would follow him to the jungle Mm -hmm. thousands of miles away. People who started going to the church under one pretext. Guyana. Yeah, Guyana. And, um, yeah, so I guess you, you, uh, there are people out there that will believe anything. That's sad. When there's truth out there to believe. When there is truth out there. And a life with hope that you can actually have. That this is not it. That this is not the best there is. No, this is correct. This is this isn't the end. This doesn't end here. And even, you know, like Pascal's wager, um, even if you suspected that this was the end, there is a possibility. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. You you don't know. If you're an atheist and you believe that there is no God, you're extremely arrogant. You, <laughs> right. Talk you, about faith. Yeah, exactly. You don't know. You've never That's died. That's like believing in evolution. Well, yes, I mean, of course. It's, it's insane faith to make that leap. Because they're philosophically committed to that mm-hmm. belief. Yeah, yeah, you have to be. So, but with Pascal's wager was basically um, if... If you are a Christian and it turns out that um, there is no life to, after death, what did you lose? By, by living a life? Yeah, living a clean a life. life yeah. You don't have all these regrets and everything else. But if you... <laughs> if you're wrong. If you're wrong, Yikes. you might be able to have a lot of uh, uh, you know fleshly pleasures in this life, but in the next life, there's no end to it. Um, so who's... You know, to quote uh, Major Payne, who did dummy now? <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I wanted to, because uh, you were talking about the Babylon Bee, I just thought sometimes uh, truth is weirder <laughs> than fiction. <clears throat> What's the point? Yeah. Other than the fact that you don't really have to work there very hard in that position. Well, yeah, you just have rah-rah speeches on, on the Sunday a for a sermon. You yeah. just have a, a, a good speech. Now, yeah. uh, last year I was in L.A. for a, a creative conference. Yep. And one of the speakers there is a author, well-known. Uh, her, the the speech she gave, um, you know, uh, surrounding her book was beautiful gorgeous mm-hmm. it was phenomenal the idea of not living in a box that our society says we have to be in you know we, we can think out of the box and we can do things there are things that we have to do there are things that we 
some people say we do, but then there's the thing that we need to be doing. Mm-hmm. That is us accepting and living the purpose we were created to do. Mm-hmm. The thing she left out of all of that was the God element. Oh, the fact that we yeah. were actually created with a purpose. It's not just some random thing that happened. We were yeah. made with a purpose. And her entire 45 minute long talk was dynamite sermon. Oh, just mm-hmm. without the God piece. Uh-huh. And it was interesting because looking at it, you know, in, in my mind, I'm thinking, yes, that's great. That's great. We are created this way. This, you know, we have a purpose. There's, there's a reason we're made. There's a reason we're who we are. God makes us this way and puts us in the place we're at for a reason. It was even, I got more out of it, I think, because I could add that other piece that I that uh-huh. seemed to be missing. Yeah. But how many people that don't have that? They just get this thing. Oh, yeah, I've got this thing. I'm going to have this purpose. What am I going to do with it? What's the purpose from? What's the point? Why even bother? Yeah, what? that's the thing. What's the point? Yeah. It, in order for there to be a purpose, there has to be something more than this. Something has to give it purpose. And whatever that thing that gives it purpose transcends all this, all this material stuff. And th- that's a hard thing for people is to, I mean, those type of uh, people who... Uh, who are, I guess, are wired that way or feel that way. It's hard to get past that point. <clears throat> but for the life of me, I just, I just don't get, I just don't get why an atheist would, if I, I mean, if I was an atheist, I'm, I'm quite certain I'd kill myself. Well, you, you know, we, we just, we, just to get done with it. To, I mean, we draw this out to the, the obvious conclusion yeah if there's no standard established before us and there's and no we, life and we create the standard yeah well I, I think this is exactly why we're seeing our culture degrade like it is the fact that now i can just decide and feel like i'm another gender and then i get to go do that and then i get to be protected and anyone that doesn't agree with me gets to be discriminated against legally yeah i, I think that proves that that as a as a leadership in our society, we have kind of gone that way that um, the moral standard is fluid. There is no plumb line anymore. Well, there is one plumb line, and that is personal happiness or satisfaction. Yeah, but based on what? This Me. is the problem, right? So that it's a plumb line, but it's fluid. Me. It's flexible. Yeah. It just makes no sense. It it doesn't, but, um, yeah, I mean, if you don't think past, if you don't think past this feeling that you're feeling right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you also, you also notice that there's a, 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 a great increase in instant gratification where you don't delay gratification. Yes. For, I need it right now. Yeah. You need it now. I would rather have a, a bird in the hand than a hundred in mm-hmm. the bush. And well, you just draw out that, that, desire for instant gratification and it's all about me and it's all about my pleasure and it's all about how I'm feeling right now. I mean, you can extrapolate that to every avenue of your life, every part of your life. Today I got a phone call from, I don't know, Ohio somewhere. I don't know anyone there. Did you Um, answer? Yeah. Which I I, I like to answer those because then I know I can play with them. (laughs) (laughs) It's usually a recording though. So I yell at the recording for a minute and hang up. Yeah. Feel but, better. But this one was different than most because it was 
don't hang you basically don't hang up uh this is regarding your credit oh yeah nothing's wrong with it but this is regarding your credit and we want you to be able to get this you need to care you need to call us right now so you can cat you can get what, we, what we're gonna give you that's it exactly yeah. i mean no wonder they do that it works oh i gotta call them nothing's wrong but i'm gonna get some out of it beep beep you call them up hello how's it going oh yeah oh oh yeah sign me up and now i got five grand in credit or whatever yeah, or whatever. <laughs> it's insane. $5,000 worth of crap you didn't need. <laughs> I'm sorry, quality merchandise. Quality. Speaking of that, this portion of the David Allen Show brought to you by Lexus Fine Automobiles. When Toyota just isn't good enough, nothing says style and panache like Lexus. Check out the latest models at your Lexus dealer today or not. This is the David Allen Show, davidallenshow.com, on Facebook, at the David Allen Show, and now on Instagram. <laughs> Someday you'll see something on there. If you have a question or a comment, email it to davidallenshow at gmail.com, and we might answer you. davidallenshow.com. David Allen Show, davidallenshow.com. Uh, this, uh, I was digging about through some archives and I found this gem. McDonald's is a place to rock. It is a restaurant where they buy food to eat. It is a good place to listen to the music. People flock here to get down to the rock music. Rock and roll McDonald's. McDonald's will make you fat. They serve Big Macs. They serve quarter pounders. They will put pounds on you. Rock and roll McDonald's. Rock and roll McDonald's. Rock and roll McDonald's. Rock and roll McDonald's. That's a drum machine fill for you right there. <laughs> 
Wait for it. For what? The musical interlude. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, it was so terrible I had to play it. This is Wesley Willis's Greatest Hits, Volume 1. McDonald's hamburgers are the worst. They are worse than Burger King. A Big Mac has 26 grams of fat. A quarter pounder has 28 grams of fat. Rock and roll McDonald's! Rock and roll McDonald's! Rock and roll McDonald's! Rock and roll McDonald's! Rock over London, rock on Chicago. Wheaties, reference the champions. <laughs> <laughs> I love that last line. <laughs> we eat breakfast of champions. <laughs> uh, again, I apologize for that, but I had to endure it, so I figured you guys should. Uh, that is Rock and Roll McDonald's by Wesley Willis. Wow. Is that is that um is that like a Bipolar manic phase with a synthesizer. <clears throat> Perhaps. <laughs> oh, man, that's hilarious. Now, um, I mean, I think I think there are people out there that would um, create that piece of art. and Art? Oh, we're calling it art. <laughs> and legitimately think I'm, I'm creating something. Was that... That was it's meant gotta to be, be some satire. Okay, I, I don't I, know I'm that, just, but it has to be. Okay, I didn't know if you. Um, I, I didn't dig that deep. I found the song and thought this is got this is it. I didn't know if this would be the anthem to the David Allen show or not, but quite possibly not. I <laughs> I love it that it was his greatest hits part I one. <laughs> I hope that's like his first album and only. Please, please only. But. Uh, yeah. Which would you rather have? That or waterboarding? Just give me a just give me a sec. I've never been waterboarded, but I've listened to this song. So. <laughs> nice. So I'm gonna have to say waterboarding. <clears throat> like I know um No, that getting, will be in your head for the next week. You're welcome. Getting tased doesn't oh. sound so bad until you've been tased, and then it's then it sounds bad. Then it then it's horrible. So uh, maybe waterboarding is. Maybe you're like, oh, that's that's like I'm I'm getting a facial done or something like that. And actually, um, it's I guess it's a sensation that you're drowning without actually drowning. <clears throat> Anyways, <coughs> thank you for that. You bet anytime. Now, now, now my horizons lighter, have opened. Lighter things. Okay. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> um, this from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Spanking does more harm than good, uh. study says. Research done by the University of Michigan and the University of Texas. 
This was published. Um, <laughs> it was published on the twenty fifth, and then updated on the twenty sixth. So I don't know what they changed. Oh, be- before, someone, someone called them out. <laughs> be- before you go on, I had just uh, read an article. I'd have to find it, where um, they said that fifty uh, percent of studies, when uh, when people try to redo the studies, they come up with different. Uh, yes, 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 yes. I I saw that also. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, even published, published research. Yeah, public, public. Yeah, published if it's actually research. redone, and that's the whole point of having a like a peer reviewed study. Yeah, is that it can be duplicated again. Yeah, and and that's with the same result. To be science. Yeah, it, exactly. It has to be falsifiable. But uh, if every single time, <laughs> if half Something of the <laughs> so so if they do another one of these studies, it'll fifty yeah. percent chance it'll be wrong. <sighs> An, al- an analysis. Oh, here we go. An analysis of fifty years of research showed no evidence that spanking does any good for children. Instead, they say it increases their risk of detrimental outcomes, according to a study by the University of Michigan and University of Texas. Experts at the two universities looked at decades of research from seventy-five studies involving more than one hundred sixty thousand children, who showed increased signs of aggression, mental health problems, and cognitive difficulties. Now, of course, I mean the first thought that comes through my head is um, how how can they um, do a study that controls the um, how the parents spank them right. and okay. what what are the conditions exactly? And not only that, what what is what are their parents like generally speaking? I mean, if you come from a highly dysfunctional family. And whether or not you spank or don't spank, your your kids are going to come out more and more dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. If you have a loving family, um, if you spank or don't spank, yeah, they're probably going to come out loving. They're, they're probably going to. So to me, I don't know how you can control for that. And is this one of these things where they just basically do a a survey fifty years ago about about just the spanking or uh and even if you even if you were to get a survey from all these people well, are they going to be honest about it um they say that they looked at decades of research from 75 studies so what they did is they went and found 75 studies that were done and looked at the results and then threw data in a computer and then figured out that yeah. it's bad yeah i don't know quote this from Elizabeth Gershoff, the Associate Professor of Human Development and Family Sciences at the University of Texas. Our analysis focuses on what most Americans would recognize as spanking and not on potentially abusive behaviors. Also, they're trying to then quantify that somewhat. We found that spanking was associated with unintended detrimental outcomes and was not associated with more immediate or long-term compliance, which as which are parents' intended outcomes when they discipline their children. I wonder if this uh, lady has any kids. <laughs> Gershoff and co-author Andrew Grogan Kaler. You know, it's not often that you find men with hyphenated last names. No. <clears throat> this is a side note. Associate professor at the University of Michigan School of Social Work found that spanking defined as an open-handed hit on the behind or extremities, was significantly significantly linked to detrimental outcomes. 
Quote, the upshot of the study is that spanking increases the likelihood of a wide variety of undesired outcomes for children. Spanking thus does the opposite of what parents usually want it to do. The researchers also tested for long-term effects among adults who were spanked as children. Now, is that once, twice, hundred times? I mean, what, what, Although, what is that? But based upon how they are defining it, I think everybody would go, well, yeah, uh, spanking shouldn't be for everybody. I mean, if you got a bad temper, if you're not a, uh, I mean, if, if you have a bad relationship with your children, if you're not fair, if you're not kind and gentle, if you're not loving, loving, uh, yeah, uh, maybe you shouldn't spank your mm-hmm. child. Maybe you should do it. And maybe some you other shouldn't way. actually be a parent. Yeah, well, exactly. Exactly. We're going to go that far. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I think in some cases, it, I mean, it's probably right, but what about, um, what about a, a, a family that isn't as uh, dysfunctional, that is loving and is trying to be fair and consistent with their children? I don't know. Anyways, <clears throat> but I don't know if they, uh, if if they, I don't know, filter out those types of people or. This to me, this is a sweeping statement that. Uh, it says they were also more likely to support physical punishment for their own children, which highlights one of the key ways that attitudes towards toward physical punishment are passed from generation to generation. So basically, if you were spanked, then you're going to spank your kids. That's what they're saying. Quote, we as a society think of spanking and physical abuse as distinct behaviors. Yet our research shows that spanking is linked with the same negative child outcomes as abuse, just to a slightly lesser degree. Mm. In the U.S., there has been a slight decline over the years in the degree to which parents approve of spanking. Meanwhile, there is a far greater movement globally to ban corporal punishment. Now, that is a road they don't want to go down. No. How in the world are they going to walk into everyone's home and watch? Okay, this is Big Brother. Sorry, we're going to have to put a camera in here to make sure you're not doing that. Here's the thing. Um, Yikes. In, in the Constitution... <clears throat> no, that's a living, breathing document. <laughs> it, can, it, it, it will adjust with the times. When it comes to... Um, or with the Supreme Court, once we eliminate the ones we don't want. Yeah, yeah. They, they always said that they would rather have uh, 10 guilty people go free than one innocent person being convicted. Um. <clears throat> So the principle was not necessarily... You mean this is back in the founding? Yeah, the f- yeah. founding fathers. <laughs> it's not the way it is now. No, yeah. Um, um, anyways, the, the principle... Uh, it's kind of been turned on your head with social workers and that sort of thing, where they can come in into a house in a lot of, uh, a lot of cases, um, or... If a society says that spanking is is illegal, then what you're doing is is that you are coming in and you are interfering with the parent-child relationship. You are uh, you're interfering with that family relationship, and regardless of what whether or not there's a case out there of somebody who's been horribly beaten. Um, you don't wipe out 
um, <clears throat> that that close relationship just to keep one person from um, uh, uh, being abused. It's the same principle uh, we were talking about earlier about the uh, the 10 things that you could do in 1975 that you can't do now. And a good portion of them, the reason why you can't do them now is that the government wanted to control things and they used as a pretext a a situation that happened, like for the guns. Uh, there was a mass shooting, and so therefore, because this happened this one time or this 10 time, 10 times or 15 times, it doesn't matter how many times, the vast majority of everybody else has to suffer because of it, just so that we don't have that one thing happen again. <clears throat> and again, every time that happens, you lose more and more freedom. You have less and less say on how you're going to raise your kids. You have less and less say on what, on um, how they're going to grow up and what they're going to do. <clears throat> it disturbs me. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you control a population? You scare them. And when you scare them so bad, then they will willingly hand you the keys. They will willingly willingly give you the, the combination to the lock. They will willingly give you the, the access to their phone. Oh, yes. They, uh, they will give up freedom for security. Yeah. Good example. There was... Uh, let's see. Last week, officials at the National September 11 M Memorial Museum in Manhattan said on Monday that one of their security guards should not have stopped a North Carolina middle school choir from singing the national anthem on the plaza last week. The guard, quote, the guard did not respond appropriately. So what happened, a um, group of kids from a North Carolina middle school were visiting the uh, September 11 Memorial Museum. Outside, outside, outside. Uh, they gathered and were singing the national anthem out loud. No microphones, nothing. They were just singing it. Well, a guard stopped them mid-song. And actually, I watched the video. It's near the end. They're almost done. Comes up, you have to stop that. So the museum spokeswoman is saying, we're working with our security staff to ensure that this does not happen again with future student performances. Um, in the story, this is from the New York Times. About 50 students from Waynesville Middle School in Western North Carolina were at the memorial on Wednesday and had just started singing. Now, they say that, but I watched the video and they were almost done with the Star Spangled Banner when a guard walked up like an arrogant piece of something um, and told them to stop. Martha Brown, a teacher from the school, said on Monday that a different security guard had, giving per had given permission for her students to sing. But the second guard said, quote, you just can't do this. You've got to stop now. Mrs. Brown said, or Ms. Brown said, uh, so we very reverently and quietly stopped what we were doing and complied with his request and quietly exited the park. Uh, video posted afterward by an adult on the field, on the field trip had prompted outrage and led to an invitation for the students to sing the anthem live on, on a news station. Uh, Ms. Brown and Trevor Putnam, the school's principal, joined the students for their performance uh, at the school on Monday. Mrs. Ms. Brown said her students learned from the experience. This is the part that, this is the point. Uh, quote, we turned it into a teaching moment and taught them that even if you don't agree with it or understand it, you must respect authority. 
And then the principal echoed the sentiment. The lesson learned here is always to respect authority. And I'm so proud of our kids for conducting themselves the way they did. There's one thing, respecting authority and then being like, like complying. That's different, I think. But the, the flip side on this <clears throat> is that when you have a police officer, if you have the security guard does something outside their scope, they should respect authority. But on the flip side, that person should be hammered so hard. Yeah. That they would never do it again because it's a two-way street. You have to earn your respect. Mm -hmm. And if if the people that are in authority have no accountability and can act however that they want, then no, you shouldn't just freely respect them. Right. So there has to be an accountability the other way, too. And that security guard should have gotten fired. And, um, <clears throat> I mean, uh, there should have been a whole lot of shame going on with uh, with that dude. Uh, one of the parents who accompanied her daughter on the trip said she was shocked that the guard interrupted the national anthem because, quote, it's kind of a sacred song to us. But she added, on the flip side, I completely understand following the rules. <clears throat> um, maybe not in that case. Are you kidding? And then the last paragraph, officials at the memorial said groups wishing to perform on the crowded plaza are supposed to pay $35 to apply for a permit. You know what? They, they were... 75 to 80 percent done with that song with the national anthem mm -hmm. they were done it's like I, I i was expecting they just started i watched the video i was expecting that it would you know as soon as they start they're going to jump in there and stop them no it was almost over and these middle schoolers got stopped from singing the national anthem that i bet money they do every morning and they're required to stand at attention with their hand on their heart every morning at school they got stopped for doing that by someone with a badge at a memorial museum of a terrorist attack that happened 16, 15 years ago. Well, like I said, that person should be held accountable for being a knucklehead. I mean, it's the same way with a police department. You know, if a police officer acts like an idiot, uh, way too many police chiefs and sheriffs just uh, basically review the incident mm -hmm. and find that no wrongdoing right. had happened, which is ridiculous. Now, you can't, um, and I, I know the reason why they do it, because you have so many knuckleheads out there that complain so much that at a certain point you can't have police officers who are afraid to do their job. Sure. So, so there has to be that. But then, again, there's an accountability. There should be an accountability process. Who also, do they work for is, is really the question. But. That's true, but they if, don't work if, for their chief. They work for the people. Well, I mean, th 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 there's that, a chain of yeah. command, obviously. But, but if somebody makes a false accusation, that person should be hammered. Absolutely. So it's got it's got to be a two way street. If if people that make these false ap accusations, um, uh, you know, face serious criminal and civil sanctions, maybe they wouldn't do it as much. But on the flip side. I mean, I, I get both sides of it, but when somebody in authority who has a gun can do whatever they want without repercussions. That's a police state. Yeah. Now, I mean, for your own well-being and health, you should respect authority. 
Um, well, if you don't want to get shot, you it, bet. Or thrown on the ground or whatnot. Because you don't have a tremendous amount of common sense nowadays. Um, <laughs> but I wonder if, uh, if you know, 70 Black Lives Matter people went there and started shouting and screaming to shut oh, it down. Oh, they would be protected. Yeah. So if if they're consistent, that that's fine. At least in my opinion. If you're if you're consistent across the board, okay, it is what it is. But you don't see that, and that's unfortunate. Obviously. Yeah, I the, the idea. I mean, in that case, there, from what I can tell, no one was hurt. I it did from the video I saw. Which panned around a little bit. There, they were not interrupting people. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe they didn't get a permit they were supposed to get. They claimed they didn't know that they were supposed to pay a permit to stand together for... How long does it take to sing the national anthem? Oh, four or five minutes, four minutes, three minutes. I don't know. It's like two minutes long. Oh, okay, two minutes. Now, when you're <laughs> when you're Lady Gaga, <laughs> you draw it out. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that's a show. But yeah. if you are a group of, I mean, I, I was, uh, where was I? It's not long. Mm-hmm. It's not a very long thing. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't have had to pay anything. And that guard should have just stood there. And maybe afterward, when they're, unless he doesn't know it, what are the odds he didn't know it? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can make, we can laugh at it, but <laughs> <laughs> right. you could be. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. This is the David Allen Show. Breaking down insanity for you, we think. It's uh, the other insane thing is how things change so often. Um, and and dogmatically in science and uh, so the different social sciences. Science! <laughs> I saw this article from Newsweek. Um... It is uh, neuroscience is changing the debate over what role age should play in the courts. You say age? Age. Okay. And there was a young man in 1993 who was a member of a a gang in Chicago. And he was a lookout when his boss went and killed a couple people. And because of the, the way the sentencing went in Chicago or Illinois, if you were part of the group that committed a murder then you got the same um sentence as Ooh, the one even who, if you didn't actually do the crime yeah so he says he didn't realize what was going on he was just looking out his uh drug boss killed a couple guys well he got convicted of first degree murder sentenced to life in prison without parole okay um well, it says in this article, the crime, despite its brutality, was fairly unremarkable. Gang-related homicides account for 13% of all homicides in the U.S., despite gang members making up less than 1% of the population. But what is remarkable is that this past December, over 20 years later, an appeals court made a highly unusual ruling. It vacated his life sentence and ordered a new hearing based, in part, on a growing body of evidence from neuroscience that brains continue to develop well into a person's 20s. The question wasn't whether or not House acted as a lookout. He did, but the reasoning went because his brain was still immature at 19. Um, his age should be a factor to reduce his sentence. Should or shouldn't? Should. <clears throat> yep. How old was he? He was 19. 
Isn't that an adult? It is adult. I mean, you can join the military. You can join right? the military without. Can you buy cigarettes? Um. Yeah. And, and oh, and you can buy alcohol. Oh no, you can't. You can't buy alcohol because you're not smart enough to handle that. Yeah. But you can handle weaponry. And you can drive. And you can drive. You can do that at geez, depending on the state at 14. But uh, but they make the case um, uh, when you're 17 year old uh, when you're 17 years 364 days old. You're a minor. One day later, you're an adult. What happened in that one day? Nothing. And they did some studies on uh, 18 to 21 or 18 to 25 year olds. Let me see here. And um, they determined <clears throat> that brain areas involving reasoning and self control are not fully developed until the mid 20s. Ooh, they mid like twenty five. Yeah, up to twenty five years old. Around the ages of eighteen to twenty one, people have the capacity for adult emotions, yet a teenager's ability to control them. And right now in Germany, the age of adulthood is twenty one, and in Switzerland, it's twenty five. Really? Yeah. So the whole point is, um, we're treating. 18 year olds like a like a 50 year old but they're not a 50 year old they're not uh they don't have at least the vast majority of them now don't have the reasoning capacity and the self control mhm so we're expecting more from them than than what they are able to uh to do and the reason why I find this interesting, they're looking at changing all this sort of things, all these things, but are they going to change the age of when uh, a person can, can uh, maneuver a 2,000-pound steel uh, projectile in Two, the streets? Four, five, six, or ten. Whatever, yeah. 10,000 pounds. Um, are they going to uh, change that from 14 Potentially in South Dakota <laughs> to 18 or 21? Are, are they going to change uh, being in the military from 18 to 21? Um, are they going to need their parents' signature up to 21 now? And, and the, I mean, I understand, I understand what they're, what they're saying. Um, but it seems like they're very, um, um, arbitrary mm-hmm. on because if you're if you're a 15 year old girl in some states you can go and get an abortion yeah without asking your parents permission you can get birth control you can uh you can't get aspirin in school but you can get <laughs> right. a birth control pill um <clears throat> i mean completely arbitrary because well, there's an agenda aspirin behind could hurt it. you the, the birth control is going to hurt the, the the other life that well, you have. That's too. not life. Because, it's, I mean... Shh. No, shh. Sit no. down over here and be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, carry on. Yes. <clears throat> so, uh, well, I, just, I just find it interesting. And, uh, you know, I don't... I personally don't have any problem making a case, whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. Just be consistent about it. Mm-hmm. Now, at the end, after we both made our cases, we might disagree at um, at at the the final conclusion. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. But just 
just be honest and open with the data. But we can't do that in this in this world. No, because everything is fluid. Because everybody has an agenda. Right. And that is... Oh, and there's no moral a, standard to come from. There, there's no foundation that is consistent across the board. Except the foundation that they <laughs> say their is foundation, the one. Yes, right. exactly. Yeah. They it, keep moving the goalpost. Touchdown. Nope, just kidding. <laughs> we got a touchdown, but you didn't because yours is over there. Oh, we change it. When you get a touchdown, now the other team gets the points. Sorry. <laughs> Mid-score. I quit. Oh, we Too change bad. it back Too now. Bad. You can't quit. <laughs> You, you, you signed your life away. <laughs> this portion of the David Allen Show is funded by Bitcoin. Untraceable, untrackable, unbelievable. One dollar or a million, it weighs the same. Ooh. Nothing. Yes. If only we had some real coin. Ooh. It's called gold. <laughs> Which you now have to have an ID to buy. If Yeah. You do. It's interesting. Um, I know uh, I have a friend who. Uh, That's nice of you. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I was surprised. Um, <laughs> anyways, he bought some gold, and, um, he said he bought some gold, and, uh, it's stored in this a uh, mint. Um, pep, pep, peppermint. <laughs> Uh, basically, a facility to hold the gold that says that you bought that you it. Own it. That Is you that own like it. naming a star? Well, that's in my the star. Sen- that's my star. I got I it. I paid for it. Well, <clears throat> there is far uh, people own far more gold than there actually is because a lot of these yes. companies sell yes. the same gold over and yes. over again. Yeah, yeah. That's why they're all worried when, say, Saudi Arabia may want to come collect their gold. Yes, because it's not there. It's not there. And yeah, there's ten people that own every ounce or whatever. That's kind of nuts. It is. This is the David Allen Show. DavidAllenShow.com. I'm Allen. He's David, and we're uh, we're crazy. No, I'm David. You're Allen. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Boy, that baby elephant walks well. That was better. Real always is. The truth, the truth never lies. Except for one case where the real is not as good. Yep, there. Yep. Ding, ding, ding. Hey. Uh, one more real quick. In the wake of presidential candidate Donald Trump's call for the GOP to moderate its position on abortion, Liberty University president and influential evangelical Jerry Falwell Jr. Affir- Jr. affirmed his support for Trump, calling upon Christians to, quote, remember the words of Christ, which I'm paraphrasing, Deny your conscience, take up your guns, and follow Trump. (laughs) At a Thursday press conference, Falwell downplayed Trump's abortion shift. Quote, we all know the story of the woman caught in adultery when Jesus encouraged the Pharisees to to moderate their position on stoning, right? As long as Trump doesn't change his position on firearms, brothers and sisters, he's got my hearty endorsement. He went on to double down on his firm belief in Trump's Christianity. 
Some people make fun of him for saying two Corinthians. But that's just a nickname. <laughs> that's how much Donald Trump loves the Bible. He has nicknames for all the books. I wish I, I wish I loved the Bible as much as Donald Trump. Ugh. Echoing his earlier sentiments that the fruits of Trump's faith <laughs> could have been could be seen in the jobs he has created. Falwell also noted, I'm not saying he's better than Jesus, but even the Lord himself only created what, twelve jobs? <laughs> this again, folks, from <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the Babylon Bee. <laughs> <laughs> it almost worked. It I almost, almost got you. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. DavidAllenShow.com. We got a little more for you coming up in a moment. We will. Um, you never know. Why don't people understand my intention? DavidAllenShow.com When was it that that big shooting occurred in... Where was it? Norway? Norway. 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 When did that happen? Was it on an island? Uh, 2012. Oh, Chelf. Chelf. Chelf up north. In Norway. What was the guy's name? Anders. Anders Ravik. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boy, I tell you, <laughs> if I'm going to kill 77 people, I wouldn't want to do it in Norway. I'm telling you. Because when they when they send you to prison, You're it's toast. a hellhole. It's a hellhole. I mean, uh, you know, uh, well, Saudi Arabia, I got nothing on Norway or uh, Somalia. No, actually... Um, did you say smell ya? <laughs> Actually, he um, sued the Norwegian government what? for an inhumane uh, treatment. Oh, you mean he was he was suing on behalf of the people he murdered inhumanely? Actually, no, that's not how it worked out. No, oh. no. Oh. Actually, he he what? sued he sued because he felt. It's 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 a bad deal to be imprisoned in Norway, and it's inhumane. Huh. Yeah, that his human rights were violated. Um, and the thing is, thankfully, cooler heads preva- prevailed, oh. and the the Norwegian um uh the court uh agreed with him. 
So um, they've been holding him in solitary confinement in a three-cell complex where he can play video games, watch TV, and exercise. What? Yeah. Yeah. That's rough. The court said the prohibition of... I bet you money he gets at least two, probably three decent meals a day, huh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And probably all the water he wants, Mm -hmm. maybe. Yeah. Perhaps a soda, coffee. Uh, Let's see. What does he get? It's hard. I mean, it's hard living his life now. Apparently. um, Because, um, you know, he had to be... He was often handcuffed during the early part of his incarceration. And... um, at the prison where he where he is uh, serving a sentence, uh, the quality of of the prison food isn't up to snuff, and he has to eat with plastic utensils, and he's not able to communicate with sympathizers. So, thankfully, the Oslo District Court said that um, agreed with him, and uh, uh, they they ordered the government to pay his legal costs of about forty one thousand dollars. No way. Yeah. Um, uh, they said the prohibition of inhumane and degrading treatment represents a fundamental value in a democratic society. This applies no matter what, also in the treatment of terrorists and killers. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Um, the government rejected his complaint, saying he was treated humanely despite the severity of his crimes and that he must be separated from other inmates for safety Or else reasons. they will kill him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. It said that, uh, the, um, the government attorney said, we are not surprised, but we are not in agreement with the court. He said his team would study the verdict carefully before deciding whether to appeal. Well, that's nice. He's been held in isolation since the July 22nd, 2011 attacks. The court said it couldn't see why he can't be allowed to meet other inmates in the high security section under the supervision of prison guards and why he cannot see his lawyer without a glass wall separating them. The court noted that uh, Breivik has behaved in a peaceful, courteous, and accommodating manner despite a 2013 letter in which he wrote he knew how to neutralize prison guards and how to make 10 to 15 deadly weapons from materials in his cells. And they wonder why he gets plasticware. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, so if having to use plastic utensils to eat is inhumane, mm-hmm. or a one of the things that's inhumane, yep. does that mean I should just start spanking my kids and not having them eat on plastic because that would be better? Uh, perhaps. Maybe... Maybe it's only bad if you spank them with a pr- plastic with a plastic spoon. <laughs> no, I prefer the wooden spoon. Well, I'll, so I'll wow. just I'll just so he got forty one thousand dollars, or that 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 covered up the the piece. legal cost. So the lawyer his attorney got forty one thousand dollars. Yes, his attorney did. Hmm, that's neat. I'm in the wrong profession. Yeah. Um, after months of meticulous preparations, he set off a car bomb in 2011 outside the government headquarters in Oslo, killing eight people and wounding dozens. He then drove to Otoya, where he opened fire on the annual summer camp of the left-wing Labor Party's youth wing. Sixty-nine people were killed, most of them teenagers, before he surrendered to police. International observers were stunned by how far Norwegian authorities went in accommodating him during his 2012 trial. 
He was even allowed to use the stand as a pulpit to profess his extremist views. He was convicted of terrorism and mass murder and sentenced to 21 years in prison. Whoa, that's it? How many people did he uh, end their lives? <clears throat> uh, 77. That seems fair. Yeah. That's Norway's maximum sentence. However, there's the no life sentence in Norway. Well, the sentence can be extended for as long as he's considered a menace to society. So, oh man, that's there's a fluid. Yeah. Fluid for you. Mm hmm. Huh. He has three cells to himself in the high security wing of the Skeen prison. The cells are equipped with video game consoles, a television, a DVD player electronic typewriter, newspapers, and exercise machines. He also has daily access to a larger exercise yard. He has allowed visits from family and friends, but hasn't received any except for his mother before she died. So he has access daily to what pe- fitness gear? Yeah, like what... I bet he is ripped. People pay for... They would probably go to a place like that and just... <laughs> But can you can you imagine weekend by if yourself? you sat there for however long, twenty mm-hmm. something years, mm-hmm. and all you had to do was play video games and work out? Yeah, I mean, at some point the video games are going to get boring. I, I, I would think that there's a good percentage of uh, young men in America who would say, "Who do I have to kill to get that <laughs> arrangement?" No kidding. Yeah, what should happen is they should give them video games. And Big Macs. Oh. And that's it. No exercise yeah. equipment. Big Macs. No McDonald's. Because <laughs> McDonald's is worse than Big Macs. Rock and roll McDonald's. Rock and roll <laughs> McDonald's. But Maybe that would probably be inhumane. Yeah, yeah. To feed them that. Yeah. But we can go buy it and it, it's not. He'd die with a smile on his face. <laughs> or, or something. That's right, babies. Speaking, oh no, I'm segueing really yeah, hey, badly. That's neat, yeah. Ooh. I wanted to talk about a true American hero. <laughs> I I want to talk about a true American hero. Settle down, crowd. Settle down. It's fine. I know a segue was kind of pathetic, but it's okay. Not just kinda. No, that was really pathetic. But I I, I want to talk about a true American hero. Her name is Lauren. Yeah, no, <laughs> Lauren Taylor, and um, she's going above and beyond. I mean, she's really going above and beyond to try to get a taste of what transgender and gender nonconforming people face. This woman, she's changing her life. She has decided to raise her kids gender, or I'm sorry, her cats gender neutral. That's right. It's hard. Cat? What? Her her, her two cats. Oh, what? Wait a second. So do you don't put a pink uh, necklace on the cat? A pink collar? <clears throat> nope. It's not like you. I mean, they don't make male or female cat food, do they? No. Last I checked, there's no no specification on the litter box. But th- but she's not going to call them boys or girls anymore, or he or her anymore. When people refer but, to what their... about kitty? That's. That's that's kitty, okay. Kitty, kitty, kitty. That's okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. She, she can do that. But now she's calling them they or them, even though she's talking to one of them. So if, 
<laughs> and it's Come been, here, they. So really? Are you kidding? They. They they want some more food, but they over there doesn't. They over there is fine, but they over here. Here. here that let, is the most insane. What? Here, let, Lauren Taylor. <laughs> Lauren Taylor. Huh. Let, let me, um, I'll read a story about, she's writing this. Okay. Uh, her, her cats. Is this from the bean as well? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Her cats, um, they were really sick. So this is her saying, talking here or writing. I took them to the vet and had to weigh the questions. Do I explain their pronouns not only to the vet, but also to the front desk workers, the vet techs, and everyone else we interact with? Because before this, she said uh, she's no longer saying he or she. She's going to call them they. So before the illness was over, we saw five vets, two sets of front desk people, and countless vet techs. I choose I chose to fall back on my cisgender privilege, look it up, and used the singular pronoun for essence. So she caved and used the singular pronoun for essence. What's G? Uh I Z? Think, I think essence is Z, isn't it? Uh-huh. Well, okay, maybe not. Okay, maybe. I think maybe Z. she didn't maybe she didn't cave. Anyways, <laughs> I understood that that wouldn't have been so easy if I were the patient or if Essence were human. While all of this was unfolding, friends would ask me, how is your cat? They're better or the same. The vets don't know what's wrong with them, I'd say. Wait a minute, are they both sick? People would reply, confused. It is confusing. We've had gender drilled into us as part of language since we first heard adults talking when we were infants. Decades of he and she... But at the same time, it's necessary. People are coming to understand that not all of us fit into the girl box or the boy box. Those who don't are claiming space to be who they are. We all need to find ways to acknowledge and respect that. My way of respecting it just happens to be raising my cats gender neutral. You can choose your own. A hero. A hero. My heart breaks. Still, Don't look at me that I'm way. still confused. Don't look at me that way. Um, does Lauren I mean Crazy <laughs> But that's how it goes <clears throat> Yeah. That was from Crazy Train. Yeah, that is insane. Mm-hmm. She doesn't just write it. She's a conductor. Now, is 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 this written to show the absurdity of the position? No. No way. This is this is legit. Way. <laughs> this is legitimate. No. Way. It is true. It's legitimate. So, she doesn't I mean, it's, want to it's call It's like her satire. Cat. No, I mean, <laughs> right. I, I would write that Tongue in cheek, and people would go, (laughs) that's ridiculous. Nobody would do that. Yeah. Truth is stranger than fiction. Well, that's not truth, though. (laughs) That's something. (laughs) Well, it's strange. (laughs) Truth to them. Truth. Yeah. Truth to them. Truth to them. Mm -hmm. That's dangerous. Yes. So, uh, going down this road, this um, insanity that we are currently living in, 
where you're allowed to discriminate against people that don't hold your view as long as your view uh, is that uh, gender is not real or scientific yeah. or it's not, it, it can't be. Did it's not objective. <laughs> did you see uh, the non-binary oh. human that came out to Barack? And I say human, and I mean, not to be insulting. You're being sensitive. I'm being very sensitive because yeah. from, from what I can tell, this non-binary human that lady who stood up and resembles a woman. Because she is a woman? It would appear so. Yeah. This story in the Telegraph in UK. I came out, the why I came out as non-binary to Barack Obama. Now, this is important to us because that is our president. He's over in the UK hobnobbing with uh, British primer. Uh, David Cameron, mm -hmm. uh, they're trying, he, he's, he's actually shilling for all the corporations in America to try to keep uh, the European Union together. Sure. <clears throat> Doing what he can, se selling, selling away. Uh, she says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, this non-binary person who actually under the image of her calls her Maria Munir. I've never heard of a man named Maria ever. Maybe the change, the name change hasn't come through yet. I'm not sure, but that's her name. It, G Z, that's Z's name. You know, you know what's? Um, have you studied Spanish? No. Um, their definite article and their La. endings and everything. La now, feminine, masculine. Whoa! So, does that mean that entire language yeah. is anti German? Is Masculine, feminine, neuter. Uh, okay, all... but masculine, feminine. Mm -hmm. I'm deciding if I'm masculine or feminine. It has nothing to do with how I was made. Sorry. So you just sit down and be quiet. There's you're no wrong. cisgender. You're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. Uh, I, it, Z says, I came out as a non-binary person to President Obama before I came out to my parents. Talk about a PR stunt. As a British Pakistani Muslim, I have faced cultural backlash from members of my community who cannot grasp a complex concept. I do not blame them. It was certainly a term alien to me until very recently, because it's an insane term, but it was the moment of self-revelation that I had been waiting for. I was at the town hall with the U.S. ambassador as part of Young Leaders UK, a special program run by the U.S. Embassy, when I stood up in front of Obama, having been chosen by chance, uh -huh, my blood ran cold, and I felt as though a literal spotlight had been shown on the president and on myself. But I was not afraid. I just wanted answers. It was a direct conversation with the most powerful man on the planet, and I could ask him anything. I don't know if that's true. Um, this, th this line is underlined in her article. Z's article, sorry. So I asked him, she called him him. So I asked him why my existence is not recognized in this country. I, I don't believe that her existence was not. She's standing, Z is standing right there. I mean, hold, breathing, no, Okay, you keep saying space. Z. Yeah, is that one Z. of those cisgender? Yeah, it's a cisgender no, term, no, yeah, Z. no, no, don't do that. Because the minute you start doing that, you're giving power to that. <laughs> Refuse. Take the power it's, back. It's true. Take the power back. But <laughs> I will buy you the best deprogrammer money can buy. 
<laughs> she said. <laughs> she said. I'm pointing out the absurdity. <laughs> if Obama accepted me, then I could accept the responsibility of beginning an international campaign to educate people about non-binary rights. Well, he didn't accept you, so you can't accept that. But I and I have not looked back since. And how long ago was it? Oh, this was uh, a couple of days ago. So she has. So in two days, she hasn't looked back. <laughs> Here, here's. See if there's an ad. Come on. Now I'm about to do something terrifying, which is I'm coming out to you as a, a non-binary person, which means that I don't fit within. I'm getting emotional. I'm so sorry. Oh, it's okay. Um, I know, it's, it's okay. Oh, it's okay. Come on, it's all right. Because I come from a, I, I'm from a Pakistani Muslim background, which inevitably has cultural implications. And I really, really wish that yourself and David Cameron would take exist. us seriously as transgender people, and um, perhaps you could elucidate as to what you can do to go beyond what has been accepted as the LGBTQ rights movement in, in including people who fit outside the social norms. Well, look, I, I think that uh, non-binary doesn't exist. I'm incredibly proud of uh, uh, the steps it sounds like you've already taken to, -binary to doesn't exist. speak out about your own experience and then to try to create a social movement uh, and, and change laws. Uh, this was... Well, the Telegraph cut that piece out, but they got the, the video from WhiteHouse.gov. Non-binary doesn't exist. Oh, even the Brits agree. <laughs> Evidently. After all, she says, Z, uh, transgender issues are getting a lot of attention right now. Oh, how convenient. You're telling me that she was pulled out. This is a random, oh, by chance. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just not true. It. I'm so, no. Double all down that on does, that buzzer. <laughs> all it does is it. This gives him the platform to then go off and and prove. Oh, it's it's in the news. The stuff's in the news. State legislators across the USA have passed quote bathroom bills which forbid trans this is from the telegraph forbid transgender people from using bathrooms which don't match their birth certificates and often remove other anti-discrimination products too this was the reason i came out if people in a wait a second forbid transgender people from using bathrooms which don't match their birth certificates so what is, what is she claiming that we have to walk about with a birth certificate in north carolina is that what she's claiming? Because I don't think that's the case. Show me that in the law. Bet they're across the pond. They probably don't really know what's going on. This yeah, was the I, remember, I remember that. I remember when she said that. And it was ridiculous. It's, <laughs> this was the reason I came just, out. Yeah. If people in a liberal democratic country are being refused their human right to be recognized as they wish, that's not a human right. Then what hope is, what hope is there elsewhere? One stumbling block is that so many people simply don't know what non-binary means. What? <laughs> <laughs> 
One stumbling block is that so many people simply don't know what non-binary means. What? Non-binary doesn't exist. <laughs> Sorry. A little delay in the, in, the, in the production here. It's all right. So I'll try to put it simply. Non-binary doesn't exist. Non-binary is an umbrella term existing under the broader category of transgender. It describes... Non-binary doesn't exist. It describes anyone who feels that they do not exclusively fit the accepted definitions of man and woman. Non-binary doesn't exist. Okay, in my mind, the accepted definition of a woman is you have two, right? You have a what? certain set of chromosomes. <laughs> That's even in German. Oh. Is that the, the is that the uh, masculine or feminine? That was masculine in German. <laughs> <laughs> that was Reiner. Anyways, you're going. I'm sorry. It describes anyone who feels that they do not exclusively fit the accepted definition of men and man and woman. Uh, is it accepted or is it just straight up fact? Okay. Okay. What the definition is. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You look between your legs. What is there or what is not there determines whether you are a man or a woman. <clears throat> okay. Well, ki well, kinda. I mean, that that's a really good indicator. Um, a, a good what you reference, were for. <laughs> but a good reference of that uh, is when you, you're, let's say you're, your dog has a litter of puppies. Mm -hmm. You just see all those puppies. How in the world do you know what's what? How do you know which ones you need to you sell differently? Which lift ones you the go? tail? Right. Oh, yeah. so, so, what are you looking for? Genitalia. Now that is, uh, it, that's non-inclusive. You can't do that anymore. So now, from now on, we cannot look for genitalia in animals to see what they are. You just too bad. No, that is stereotyping those animals. That's insane. You can't do it. Because what about the ones that don't feel like they quite fit? Hmm? What about those? Some people would say that they are non-binary men or women. Others would say they are both or either. Both, really. Both or either. While others still reject both labels entirely. So you're a nothing. No. The key thing to understand Reject is that while your label. biological sex is defined socially and scientifically through your physical body as male, female, or intersex, gender is a trickier construct. Throughout I identify as an Olympic gold medal champion. Does that make me? Yes, it does. I'm going to buy a gold medal. No, 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 no. You, yes, you, I you, am. You deserve one. You don't have to buy it. You deserve it. I should be given a gold medal. The, the only downside is you will then have to pay taxes on that when you bring it back to the U.S. I won't bring it back to the U.S. Leave it in Rio with Zika. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it with a lady named Zika in Rio. <laughs> Who has Zika? Zika. <laughs> Uh, this is a quote from the article. Uh, when I look down at my scientifically female body, I feel no mental connection to it. We should not assume someone's gender simply by looking at them. That sounds a lot like body dysmorphia. Ooh. Uh, explain that. 
there are people out there who believe that parts of their body don't are are alien to them or there are people out there that believe that um <clears throat> they're fat when they're actually thin there are people out there um who have disordered assumptions about the body. Uh, Paul McHugh was for 40 years a university distinguished service professor of psychiatry at John Hopkins Medical School. Oh, that's a shill operation. Yeah, it's a... It's they're they're kind of nobody. It's right? a diploma mill. That's what I thought. Yeah. <clears throat> 26 of them were also spent as psychiatrist-in-chief of the entire hospital. You mean to like learning people how to be psychiatrists? Yeah. Like well, overseeing Yeah, them. the top psychiatrist hmm. at yeah. John Hopkins Medical School. Yeah, a hack. Hack. He's a hack for 26 years. What does he know? Well, he wrote an article. He has a different opinion. When was this article? By chance? Uh, just, uh, just a little while ago. June 10, 2015. Yeah. June 10, 2015. Precursor to all of this insanity we're in the middle of. Yes. He says, I've been studying people who claim to be transgender. Over that time, I've watched the phenomenon change and expand in remarkable ways. Um, <clears throat> he talked about some of the things that had happened, and he said at John Hopkins, um, they actually pioneered sex change surgery. Um, but then they demonstrated that the practice brought no important results. As a result, they stopped offering that form of treatment in the 1970s. Our effort, Whoa, they were using that as treatment to gender dysphoria? They were doing they were the sex like, change. Reassigning their bodies? Yes. And, and is they, he saying it didn't work? He said it didn't <gasps> work. There was no important benefits. The, ah, the blasphemy. The entire time he he was talking about gender dysphoria and he says this uh, he said in fact gender dysphoria the official psychiatric term for feeling oneself to be of the opposite sex belongs in the family of similarly disordered assumptions about the body such as anorexia and body dysmorphic disorder its treatment should not be directed at the body as with surgery and hormones any more than one treats obesity fearing anorexic patients with liposuction the treatment should strive to correct the false problematic nature of the assumption and to resolve the psychosocial conflicts provoking it with youngsters this is best done in family therapy so he's saying the equivalent of doing a sex change operation is taking somebody who's anorexic and giving them liposuction giving them liposuction he said in two states, a doctor who would look into the psychological history of a transgendered boy or girl in search of a resolvable conflict could lose his or her license to practice medicine. When? In two states. Now, in two of the states. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If, so if you probe to see what is causing this, this, uh, this dysphoria. So they are... Uh, basically telling doctors they're not allowed to to actually be a doctor exactly. and try to figure out the issue because they're saying that's not a problem now? It's not a problem. Study was done in, in Sweden that said that, that you were 20 times more likely to kill yourself 
uh, what does he say here? They, uh, the most thorough follow-up of sex reassigned people extending over 30 years and conducted in Sweden, where the culture is strongly supportive of the transgendered, documents their lifelong mental unrest. 10 to 15 years after surgical resignment, the suicide rate of those who had undergone sex reassignment surgery rose to 20 times that of comparable peers. 20 times. So rather than dealing with a mental illness that, that it clearly that is, that it clearly is, the society is now saying it's not a mental illness. There's an agenda at foot. I was talking to a friend who was looking up, he said only 0.3. To 0.5% of the entire population would consider themselves transsexual. How many? 03 to 0.5% of the entire population. And yet we're going through all of this insanity for something that is mental illness. Up to just a few years ago, it was considered mental illness. So what's next? Schizophrenia? <laughs> so what? So so if you have 10 personalities, uh, the government welfare should pay for 10 different Absolutely. places for you to live? Yeah. Depending or, upon or, whatever your personality says? Or you get 10 different um, disability checks? Or 10 Absolutely. different disability checks. You bet. Why not? Well, it has to go there if we go there on one thing. You have to go for the rest. Yep. Apparently, President Obama was puzzled by the non-binary woman that came out. According to the Non-Binary Inclusion Project... Non-binary doesn't exist. I would agree. There are an estimated... Huh. 252,728 people that are non-binary in the UK. So clearly, I'm not alone. This is from this girl. Z again. She. Whatever. When I look down at my scientifically female body, I feel no mental connection to it. We should not assume someone's gender simply by looking at them. Gender is personal and it is within myself. I am non-binary because I do not prescribe to the notion that there is only man and woman. I am a human being and that is all I need. This, okay, this harkens back to one of the earlier shows we had where we were trying to just explore this idea of calling people good human beings. And I think this is exactly... Proof positive of that. We we have we call them good humans because there's an agenda that says we can't call them it's a good man or a good woman. Yeah. We can't do that anymore. That is no longer because acceptable. everybody is exactly every, all differences are socially contrived. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just how how you were raised. Who who gives some doctor the authority when you're born to look at you and decide if you're a man or a woman? Okay, then who gives a, a vet breed, a dog breeder the right to look at a dog and say it's a man, a boy or a woman, or a girl dog? Are you kidding? It's the same thing. Now, yep. I don't think dogs are humans, don't get me wrong. But you can't have one without the other. You can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. I agree. Ding, ding. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. 
Well, kinda. Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills! Just like that. Oh, now this is interesting. Uh, there was a hot link in the article about the non-binary inclusion project. The very first line, the Women and Equalities Committee <laughs> has undertaken an inquiry into equality for transgender people. <laughs> has taken an inquiry into... Into equality for transgender people. But I think it's funny that they um, they label it the women. Ha! <laughs> 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 oh, typo! Typo! <laughs> shouldn't, have, shouldn't, have, shouldn't it have been them? The they, them, g, g zem, zer. <laughs> Look up cis terms, cisgender terms. Cisgender. Okay. <laughs> this will make you want to just throw up. Ooh. Oh, that was fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry. The etymology of the word cisgender has its origin in the Latin de derived prefix cis, meaning on the side of, which is an antonym for the Latin derived prefix trans, meaning across from or on the other side of. Oh, come on. Give me the give me these words. Where are they? Wikipedia's nonsense. We never have to worry about this because we have all the guns. <laughs> uh. Well, that was kind of a, a disaster trying to find that because the interweb doesn't want to give me those. So, <laughs> huh. Well, I guess it's just in the eye of the beholder. I mean, the whole point about about this though is that it can be whatever a person decides it can be so oh, why not just change words and everything i mean how can you even communicate with people if you don't agree to the terms or the definitions <clears throat> so i mean what do we do as a society then well this can't last this is not sustainable there's absolutely no way this is sustainable i mean can you imagine how do you market Women's clothing. Who do you market to? It's not sustainable. You because you look you look at the sixties and seventies. Um, the hip, how many how many hippies are in communes right now? That's true. You don't see any. I mean, there might be a couple here and there. Now it's going to change society, but it's not going. This is not livable. You can't live this way. No, but <laughs> okay. I don't want to sound. Totally horrible, but is this is this going to eliminate part of our problem? I mean, if a certain segment of the population isn't, uh, they, they don't get to breed, and I hate using that word with humans, but well, they they don't get to breed unless they have money, and then they can do the whole test tube thing or surrogate mother kind of well, thing. Well, but I'm I'm thinking if people have this mindset and they mm -hmm. carry this into adulthood and throughout adulthood, they're not going to be procreating. No, unless it's some weird science fiction thing in the future where everybody's born in test tubes or oh like the man that was actually a woman that gave birth in oregon yeah 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 mm -hmm. yeah and then claimed to be the first man it's nonsense yeah yeah um uh i've i've i don't think that there's ever been a man who's had ovaries no because nope, i don't think the so. definition of being a man is not <laughs> you don't have ovaries. them right <laughs> 
If you don't have them, you're a man. If you don't have them, you're a man. Doesn't have a monkey. <laughs> Who's the man? If it doesn't have a tail. It's yeah. Not a monkey. Who's the woman? Um, yeah. But I mean, this kind of stuff is is um, insanity. This there's an agenda here, and it's to divide everybody, to mm-hmm. tear down society, to rebuild it into something else. That is what this is all about, and that's that's what we're heading for. So the people behind this know that this is not sustainable. It can't be sustainable. If uh, communism wasn't sustainable, and that had more coherent structure and a coherent worldview than this mismatch of of garbage that that comes out, this is just ridiculous. And all these, remember, we were talking about how kids they're not their brains aren't formed yeah. until their mid twenties. Yeah. All the people that are supporting this, the ones that are screaming and everything, the vast majority of them are in that their brains. Yeah, the, I mean, I guess you could technically say they're brain damaged. Or if not, it's not it's not developed. It's not yet. developed fully. Yeah. yeah. Wait until they're thirty. Wait until wait until their feelings change. How in the world? Wait until they want more. Um, they're more stable and whatnot. They're not. This is not sustainable. How could you How could you come to a different conclusion? You can't. No. Because if if you're saying that you can't, you're not <clears throat> mentally able to think and commit a crime at a. Exactly. You know, up to that. How in the world are you mentally stable enough in your teen years or at five even to know I'm mommy, Sally's a boy. Yeah. I like playing with trucks. And so that makes me a boy. Yeah. No. No. No, it's not. I think this goes back to child abuse. It is. It is. I mean, all of all of this is insanity and people can say whatever they want about it. Um, but wait 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when people go to college, they, uh, there's a, a high percentage of people that when they go to college, when they're freshman year, uh, especially the secular colleges, they'd spend a lot of time partying and everything else. Forward 10 years, they're not doing that anymore. Forward 20 years, they realized <laughs> it wasn't a good idea. It wasn't a good idea <laughs> and they feel that, uh, the 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 drop in their stomach when they think about their kids going to college because they know that their kids are going to be as stupid as they are. Right. The reason why is because they've matured. They're older. They don't they don't think the way they did back then. They don't act the way they did back then because they've matured and they're older. This is the exact same thing. <clears throat> so not exact, but you know what I mean. Yeah. The vast majority of the people that are that are buying this crap are uh, under 25 so being it's being fed yes by their liberal yeah uh institutions yeah their professors yeah and i you know i i really think that that goes back to them going into college without knowing anything about who they are without I, having I a foundation yeah. without having uh, a purpose without knowing their purpose, what they were made for, what God has for them without having that. Then they go and get molded into this nice little robot that believes whatever the professor tells them opinion wise. Now, if you're going to a, a math class, good chance you're not going to get too much bloviating. Oh, no, you're not. You're going to learn calculus. You're going to learn or business. In theory, it's yeah, going to be you're going to learn those things. But when you go for <clears throat> social you know, science, social science, or um, sociology, psychology, liberal uh, arts, you know, women's studies, yeah. 
you get <clears throat> propaganda. Yeah. You get conditioned. Mm-hmm. And when you're in it all the time, it's your first time away from parents mostly. And so you're out of that umbrella into the umbrella of crazy town. Yeah. And we wonder why our college kids are insane and just absolutely loving Bernie. Well, but you know, part of the problem too is that you have parents that are Christian that that don't accurately um, teach them what life is like and what life is about. They right. have this this caricature of Christianity that can't meet the real world. Right. I mean, it's all fine and, and dandy until something bad happens, and then your uh, your whole worldview gets shattered. Mm-hmm. This is the David Allen Show. Enough of this deep stuff. <laughs> Not enough of it. It's just... It's insanity as it is. And yeah, I that think dead that horse is dead. I think we <laughs> beat that one in the ground <laughs> sufficiently. Seasoned mountain climber Randall Jespers tumbled hundreds of feet down the El Capitan rock formation in Yosemite National Park Sunday after reportedly deciding to let go and let God. I don't know, said Jaspers of Sacramento. I was at a really tough spot on the cap, a couple hundred feet up, and I wasn't really sure how to tackle it. Then I remembered what Pastor Thomas said last week about difficult situations telling us how we should just let go and let God. Releasing his safety line and relinquishing his grip on the handholds, Jaspers immediately dropped like a stone down the steep precipice, bouncing an estimated half dozen times before coming to a rest by a a basalt outcropping, sources confirmed. A nearby climbing party alerted a medical rescue team who airlifted him to John C. Fremont Hospital, to be treated for numerous cracked vertebrae, a pair of broken femurs, and various closed head injuries, among others. The doctor says I'll be in traction for a while, Jaspers told reporters from his hospital bed. But I'm sure I can speed up the process a bit because, hey, God helps those who help themselves. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Or not. (laughs) Another... Entertaining article. Yarn, as they say. (laughs) From the Babylon Bee. Excellent. (laughs) This half hour of the David (laughs) David Allen Show brought to you by Top Ramen Noodles, powering three generations of college students. When time and money are not your friend, think Top Ramen. 
pick up a case at your local supermarket or pantry or used goods store today. This is the David Allen Show. This is the David Allen Show. This episode 12, April 28, 2016. Uh, This from Progressives Today. Michael Strickland wrote this article called White Fragility is the New White Guilt Concept. Portland Community College's, quote, Whiteness History Month has shed light on several concepts that have been brewing beneath the surface for years behind closed doors in academia. One such idea is called white fragility, where you're racist if you push back against the people who imagine a world without whiteness or who openly say they want to breed white people out of existence. In fact, entire events have been based around this concept of white fragility. Let's let them define it. Quote, white fragility is a state in which even a minimum amount of racial stress becomes intolerable, triggering a range of defensive moves. These moves include the outward display of emotions such as anger, fear, and guilt, and behaviors such as argumentation, silence, leaving the stress-induced situation. These behaviors, in turn, function to reinstate white racial equilibrium, and white fragility is at its essence a gun-level a gun-level pushback. It's like the fight-or-flight response of white people who want to believe that they and the world by extension are less racially divisive than they really are. But why is there white fragility? Because of their position of white of privilege and accustomed racial comfort, whites will often display racial arrogance by denying, debating, or trivializing racism or critical thought regarding racial conflict. The presenter, Melinda Bullen, goes on to describe the, quote, emotions and behaviors of white fragility. Quote, if we define as an ally, sorry, if we identify as an ally, there's a danger in revealing reveling and feeling special for doing the work, but ultimately that takes away and puts attention back on the white person. The emotions include guilt, anger, relational, relational, anesthetic, oh my goodness, anesthetization, anesthetization, dismissiveness, disconnection, social impotence, silence, appreciation or exaltation and fear. (laughs) higher learning for you here (laughs) this is college 
Bullen, who works with the Diversity Resource Center, coordinator at Mount Hood Community College, and then explains some of the strategies for dealing with white fragility. Quote, white racism is ultimately a white problem, and the burden for interpreting and interrupting belongs to white people. Because, quote, so often whiteness isn't seen as a race. It's like everybody has a race or whatever. You should also, quote, avoid seeking validation from the person of color you relate to, to the mo- relate to the most. Because I want to be put on, I want to be put on that good white person pedestal. And also, quote, seeing yourself as well-meaning removes responsibility for our actions. Good intentions are one of the great hindrances to honest conversations about race. There's a feeling of action when we view a painful situation using the reason of good intention. But it doesn't do anything to affect the impact that the action had on someone else. I want you to gather in groups of three, and I'd like you to discuss the impact white fragility has, has on your work, organization, or those who serve through our organization. Towards the end of the session, they concluded that Whiteness History Month comes at a cost of colleagues of color. So if you try to dismantle racism and whiteness, then you're a racist because that harms people of color. If you ignore it, you're still a racist. If you're not actively trying to dismantle it, then you're also racist. Yeah, you can't win in this no, whole it's, it's, definition. It's, yeah, it's insane. Mm-hmm. This is college, folks. I yeah. mean, this is the, the liberal art piece of college. This is insane. And uh, again, this is more... It's dividing people for the sake of dividing people. Oh, yeah. And so basically you're saying a person is not a, is not a unique, special person because of the char- their personal character, um, how hard they work, their, you know, uh, integrity. Um, you are defined by um, what you look like. Mm-hmm. And it's not consistent, can't be consistent, because the whole point of it is to tear people down and to divide people. There is no person that can can um, meet up to that uh, to that lady's standards or the people that promote that, st- that sort of thing. If you're white, you cannot, there's nothing that you can do. You are guilty until proven innocent, and you'll never be proven innocent. So th- there's, um, it's just leading to more division and more anger and all the rest of it. <clears throat> and when white people say that kind of garbage, it's it's uh, it's white guilt and all the rest of right. it. How about how about the viewpoint that every person, regardless of color, was made in the image of God? Don't talk about that. And each person made in the image of God, in God's eyes, is no better or worse than any other person. How about if we start from that point of view and actually believed it, racism would go away. Yeah. <clears throat> but all people are good. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, man, I was listening, watching a video of a guy uh, who's a brilliant uh, web programmer. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Worked for Apple for years, I think. Um he had the. He has made an app that allows you to take pictures on your phone or iPad. Uh, you can either take them or you can import them or use some stock ones that they have built into the app that you pay two bucks for or whatever. Uh, and then you can create postcards with your custom note, and then you can push a button and pay buck fifty, and they'll mail them for you. 
Oh, wow. Or you can email it for free. And so you send the email, this nice front and back of a card that you sent someone that you thoughtfully wrote out. I mean, you thoughtfully typed out um, on a picture <laughs> that you may not have taken. Um, and he said, you know, I, I, just, I just know that people uh, are good by nature. They just need an outlet so they can do that. So people are basically good. I almost threw something at the, at the screen. <laughs> Because I'm sorry, buddy, but just because you made this little app to help people not have to actually do anything to send a note. Yeah, how good are someone. they? They're so good. You're helping them be good. Yeah. You know, at I one... I need a sensor beep. <laughs> at one time, you know, good people would actually have to go out of their house to buy these postcards, right, take them home, right. right on them. Think about it for a minute. Now that's just too much work to do something yeah, nice yeah. for somebody. So buy an app and I'll pay you to do it. Yeah. DavidAllenShow.com. Um, although uh, this is a new trend in tattoos. Ready for it? Go ahead. <laughs> although not all tattoo work is great, when you see a beautiful piece, it's usually extremely detailed, unique, and very meaningful. However, there's a new trend that is definitely unique, but just a little different. Or, as they wrote it, just a little different. The Daily Mail recently discovered a tattoo trend dubbed the Blackout Tattoo, which currently has over 2,000 tags on Instagram as of press time, which was a couple days ago. Originally used as an alternative to laser removal for unwanted ink, the blackout method is exactly as its name implies, blacks out parts of the body. As of late, it's being used as art itself in a sort of intricate, in all sorts of intricate patterns. According to artist Chester Lee, who launched Oracle Tattoo in Singapore, a proper blackout piece takes out, takes out to achieve the perfect amount of evenness people start to appreciate the fact that black is nicer and everlasting to look at. As I say, it's an acquired taste. What, what so kind of tattoo is it called? It's a blackout. Yeah. Blackout, blackout tattoo? tattoo. And it's just, it's, it's like you took a black Sharpie yeah. and just Sharpied yourself. If you did that all over your body, oh. what, 10 years ago? Wouldn't you be, would that be called blackface and that would be a hate crime almost? Yeah. But now it's, it's art. It's a tattoo art. Ugh. And I'm sorry, but ouch. Well, can't. Tattoos in themselves can't feel good. I don't know. I don't have one. Well, can't you do the, to... the whole henna thing? You know, henna ink <laughs> on it and do it like once just a month. Paint it on yeah, all just paint the way. Yeah, paint it on. And then, and then <laughs> when you get past 25 and your brain is working, adequately you'll thank your 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 young self that you didn't do it <laughs> yeah you can't really cover up a blackout or the other thing is rather than putting those things in your earlobes get like one of these fake you get some uh play-doh and that's flesh colored and just attach it you know <laughs> <laughs> then you're saving money on plastic surgery i, I don't know else. if you know what a hot stick is a uh -uh. curler hot stick. Um, back in the day, I mean, long-haired ladies, that's what you used to curl. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, you put them in. They're flexible. It's got a spring inside that gets hot and it's wrapped in rubber. You heat them up in that thing and you take them out and they're very bendy. Uh-huh. That could work. <laughs> you just fold that around and somehow hook it to your ear. Yeah. And you got these and they're coming blue, pink. Uh, you know, so then you... Huh? That is gender specific, though. We can't have that. 
So we Why? need some nude. It's pink and pink and blue. We can't have. What if it's pink and oh, blue? Oh, one of each. Yeah, one of each. Mm, okay, that works. That works. Okay. Oop, yeah. That's, that's... <sighs> Weird. <laughs> uh, do you know how tattoos stay in your body? Um. How? The metal or whatever, the, the, the stuff that's in the ink uh-huh. is too big for your white blood cells to eat. Really? And so what happens... Uh, I learned this watching Smarter Every Day, which is a fantastic sh- channel on the interweb. Huh. Um, they do all kinds of scientific things. Um, they, uh, when they put a tattoo on you, it goes in your body, mm-hmm. you know, down into your blood, and your white blood cells begin to attack it because it's foreign. Yeah, it's not supposed to be there. Okay. Well, your blood, white blood cells can't eat it, so it lives there. Now. And they explained it that old, old guys, their tattoos get blurry. Yeah. Because the blood has fought and fought and fought to get at it, that it tried and so it just slowly does it. Tattoo removal takes a laser and it zaps the particles of that tattoo ink to make them small enough for your blood to eat them. Really? And apparently it doesn't feel good. Well, I never got a tattoo because I'm what you call smart. smart. <laughs> and, sorry, sorry, and um, uh, because and then also because I didn't, you know, I would think that would hurt a lot, and well, yeah. I didn't get the point of it. Sorry. This Did- is the David Allen Show. It's gonna wrap it up for tonight. This week's episode number twelve. I'm prejudiced against stupid people. Sorry. Ah, how rude. Any last words there, David? Um, I'm a man. Well, that's good. Have a good night, everybody. Toodles. <laughs>